community of podcasts in Houston that are like being promoted by this. Uh, yeah, I have too many ideas for uh, Houston comedy right now. <laughs> but uh, you're an idea. There guy. should be like a whole place where you like. It's almost like a Houston, like a network. Oh, you of mean like a comedy, hub. like a hub? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, Eddie's a good dude, but I mean, there's nothing hub about comedy hub. Oh man. I mean, it's a comedy brand. I think of shows. Yeah. But uh, when I say hub, it's like you go there and you should see everything. Uh, there should be a, a like Houston's small enough of a scene where uh, we, we should all be able to like uh, you go somewhere and you see all the, the Houston podcasts in one place, nicely organized online. So you can go through like, OK, wh- which of the Houston comics podcast should I watch? Like we should all be supporting each other. Uh, promoting each other we should all be on the same i feel like at this point like there should be like a if you go to the secret group and you like comics of the secret group you click on podcast there you see all the comics who have podcasts from the secret group Uh and that's how we start getting fan bases that's how we start getting yeah uh, so regulars all things comedy does that you know bill burr uh and all these other comics got together they built their own you know, studio and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're posting stuff online, like content. So mm-hmm. I, I I mean, that squad, there's a whole a bunch of podcast networks. Dev squad, same thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, those are all like networks that have like famous people on it. So it's it's more like it doesn't matter that they're Houston comics. Yeah. We're But I would say that our podcasts are going to be more local. I mean, only people I've heard listening to my podcast have all been. They, they've met me, you know what I mean? Or they've seen me and then they watch, they listen to the podcast. I it's not many, uh, it's not many people who are like listening to my podcast because they just found it randomly. You know what I mean? Uh, when I was with Grace on a podcast that happened more often, but it was because she had a lot of people on Facebook that would follow her. Yeah, she yeah, and like and the comments would be like, you know, wear a bikini, you know, like that type of thing, you know. But like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it must be tough being a woman or a female comic. Uh, like I feel like a lot of guys try to sexualize everything. Um, yeah, I would say that it's uh, there's there's give and take there. If you are a a, a a female comic that gets sexualized, yeah, that can be annoying, but also. Uh, it's attention, it's publicity, yeah. and uh, you know it, it's not the worst thing for uh, at least people know who you are, wh- whether or not they know your jokes. But they're like, I follow you on Instagram. You know, why do you follow me on Instagram? Because I think you're hot. But also, that's you know, it's like you're still a follower. You're still, uh, you know, you have more followers than other. Some people get booked because of followers, the amount of followers. So it's not necessarily always a hindrance. Oh, I'm 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 too pretty. Uh, I got too many Instagram followers. Nobody takes me seriously. It's like no comedy clubs take you seriously if you have followers because you can bring people. Maybe who knows what kind of people. Yeah. If you're a female comic that's not being sexualized, uh, you know that could be. I guess then then you're not getting that type of, but you're also getting less attention. So uh, I would say that the female comics that aren't getting sexualized, if you say, hey, it must be really hard to be a female comic that does get sexualized, they'd be like, actually, it would be kind of nice to have more attention, more just like anything. Uh, So I don't necessarily think that that's 100% the case, but uh, 
Also, there's male comments that get sexualized. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And they get they have more fans than um than the non-sexualized comics. Let's just say the ugly ones. Whether or not. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but uh, in, yeah, I would say uh, it's it's the same for, I would say anyone. But 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 then it's like, what are you selling? Are you selling your body, <laughs> or are you selling your your sense of humor? You know, that's a good point. Um, well, your body gets them in the seats, and your sense of humor keeps them there. That's the way I like to think of it. I would say for men, especially if your body is what is getting people in the seats. That audience is a, it's a different audience. You know? <laughs> They're not there for jokes. <laughs> I'm saying like that's a different audience, man. Because you know the traditional comedy club audience is a man and a girl. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> <that's not laughs> you see, when a man and a woman love each other, no, 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 they but, listen to comedy. No, but a, but a man and a girl sounds terrible. It should, Man and a woman. Oh, okay. yeah, you yeah. know. Man and a girl. <laughs> yeah. Traditional comedy uh, audience, you know, 40-year-old man and 8-year-old girl. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's a man and a woman on a date. And the man is, is trying to uh, take the the woman out on a on a entertainment, entertain your woman. Yeah. A night on the town. Night on the town. That's the traditional comedy club audience. Uh-huh. Um, and so... If you're thinking about an audience that's there because they're sexualizing the male comedian, that is not traditional. I don't think there's a lot of guys taking their girl out on a date knowing that she thinks that the, the, the comedian's sexy and doesn't even know if they're funny or not. That's not that's not happening. That's not, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know. This is weird. Yeah. And there's not a, there's really not a lot of especially male comedians that are uh very sexualized and successful. It's just not. Uh, it's just not very co- common. I can think of one probably, or maybe there's a couple, but like Krista De Stefano. Uh, I mean, okay. Are you just thinking? Are you just naming comments that you think are handsome? Because uh, I don't. I don't. That could be sexualized and are funny. <laughs> I'm trying okay, to keep okay. it in that category. Maybe he, yeah, he, like yeah, yeah. No, but that that's not like. Uh, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I've I don't know I've never never thought about I've it. never heard of like yeah we're all going to see Chris Stefano he's so hot yeah um, there oh, okay so from my standpoint I guess if like you said night on the town man and woman or man and girl depending on how you feel <laughs> so <laughs> no you don't should be a should be a boy and girl or man and woman boy and girl man and woman okay maybe a boy and a woman <laughs> that's acceptable. <laughs> My English teacher, we're both big Louis C.K. fans for different reasons. <laughs> so, uh, man or woman, go to the show. The guy is watching the comic because he thinks he's funny. And the woman is like, oh, he's kind of handsome. Mm, I, I feel like that happens sometimes. That could happen. But the guy doesn't care if the comic's funny. Honestly. Really? Guys do not care if the comic's funny. Guys care that the girl thinks the comic's funny. Ah, and if the girl thinks the comic's funny, then the the guy is happy. Yeah, because then she's happy, she's having a good time. Then afterwards, yeah, right? Okay, because if the guy thinks you're funny and the girl is not having a good time, now you just ruined a, a, a potential. It's like it could be a last date. 
type of deal. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it's like, you know, yeah, I took my girl to see uh, Patrice O'Neal. And uh, <laughs> he's probably ruined a lot of days. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like, you know, because he had no filter. And he oh, didn't. Yeah. He didn't. I, he, I would say in quotation marks, he hated oh, women. <laughs> like um, he made he made interesting points a lot of time. He's one of my probably my favorite comic of all time. He's yeah, he's my um, favorite too. But he would make a lot of uh, he had a lot of opinions that I'm like, not only do I not agree with this, but definitely women are going to hate this opinion. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but it would make for funny, it would make for a really funny stand up. But I'm talking the type of stand up that if I showed my girl uh, a bit by him cuz like this point he makes it's really good. <laughs> just look, I just, know it's it's yeah. sexist and misogynist, but just listen to what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right, the gist is uh women are are less than men, but Check out how he proves it. <laughs> She's like, okay. I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty sure that conversation has been said many times by a lot of guys. Yeah. About Patrice O'Neill. Yeah, like, of course. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, uh, but, but All the right, thing Pete. is, sometimes if you have a, a girl who will watch something by him and she sees his side of it, like, you know, it's like, oh, somebody who's introspective, who can uh, understand, like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess that, uh, I mean, men and women are inherently different. Uh, and, uh, you know, in a relationship, like he says, you know, men, they, they want to be left alone, but they don't want to be by themselves. That's so true. And I would say that with women, uh, I've never dated a woman that wanted to be left alone. And if they did seem to be wanting to be left alone, it's because they were mad at you. For something, mm-hmm. but if a man wants to be left alone because a sports team's playing, it's an important game, or uh, that's literally all, one of the only reasons that. <laughs> that's what most or he men, just like most, spending time alone. Or you're like, yeah, maybe you're reading something, yeah. or uh, you know, you're hitting a dog. Who knows what you're hitting doing, a you know? dog? Is that a euphemism, <laughs> or are you actually hitting a dog? <laughs> that does sound like a, <laughs> like a jerking off. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I'll, I'll be right back, babe. I'm gonna go hit the dog for a couple minutes. No, I, I just think it's been. I just think it's funny to just throw in hitting your dog uh, as like a pastime <laughs> or like a reason for anything. Like, kicking your dog. Kick, re- see, kicking is a little more. Uh, that see that that's like already a phrase, like kicking your dog. Yeah. But I'm no, I mean hitting your dog. Like, <laughs> uh, see, kicking your dog, your foot's already there, so yeah. it's not a lot of effort. But to hit your dog, you gotta bend over. Ah. So you gotta really want, and you might even strain your back doing it. You gotta want to hit that dog. But uh, I just think it's funny to, I just think it's funny to just nonchalantly uh, throw that in like it's like it's a pastime <laughs> yeah. because dogs are so popular right now. Oh my god! Everyone loves Such dogs. I love dogs. I love dogs too. But it's better, like you know, you know, I've learned that the, uh, a cure for writer's block is to hit your dog. Uh, I've learned that uh, I've, I've been late a lot of the time because like I get too into hitting my dog. Like so, it's just uh, ah. <laughs> I don't hit my. It's an aphrodisiac. I don't hit uh, either of my dogs uh, unless I have a, a an okay from her, from their mom. <laughs> but uh, it's like it's like you're, it's like your stepkids. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Like like if you're gonna hit your stepkid, you, you gotta, gotta have permission. You, you gotta get permission quick. Maybe it's just a nod. Yep. You know, you ever see Drive? 
Yes. You know, like in the Italian restaurant when he uh, he kills the henchman with a fork and knife, it, like just like stabs him in the face. Mm-hmm. But he, but first he gets the nod from his homie. <laughs> yeah. That's like hitting your kid, your stepkid. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah, man. It's good to know. Yeah, dude, I gotta get permission. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get consent, dog. Consent. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, or you could roofie him and hit him while he's asleep, but that's just, that's a whole different yeah, ball game. Yeah, just don't we leave talk- any visible bruises. <laughs> Phone it. book him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. Life is crazy. It, it is a weird thing that like dogs are so prevalent nowadays because everybody knows man's best friend. But like even dogs have like IG accounts too. That's the crazy thing, and they have like millions of followers. Yeah, and then sometimes they're the only one. They're the only one that has the password. Yeah. So then it's like, who's uploading? This? <laughs> it's like, Johnny, what's the password? Woof. Okay, I, I don't know what that means. Woof. And it's just woof into yeah. Siri. <laughs> however, uh, Siri spells. See, that's the thing, too. I wonder how Siri spells woof because, uh, I mean, an actual bark. Because there's so many different ways to spell it. There's R-U-F-F. That, mm-hmm. that's, there's, now, bark is not. If, you're, if your dog says bark, bark. maybe arf. Yeah, but with the with the hard B and the K at the end, I've never heard a dog talk like with that much enunciation. Work, nah. <laughs> I'd be like, this motherfucker's talking. Yeah, this dog, right? They're the huskies. Huskies can talk for real, right? It's crazy. I don't know what's up with their like uh, their voice. Their I don't know. It's just they can talk. It's, yeah, it's a weird thing. I've I've been watching a lot of dog videos lately, Ooh. like like pit bulls and oh, stuff okay. like that. Not like that. No, about hitting your dog. Okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but like, because uh, I want a dog, but I can't have one because my landlord doesn't like dogs. And mm-hmm. it, it's a crazy thing. He said I could have a cat, but I'm not a cat guy. What if you get a dog, but you dress him up like a cat? I was thinking that. You know? Or maybe get have a- him pee in a litter box and everything. So when your, your landlord breaks into your apartment or whatever, when would he even see your pet? I guess uh, if it barked, you'd have to get its book. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think there's like collars. I might need to get one for my dog because she is just brutally. Uh, she hates our roommate, and mm-hmm. so whenever he even like if he turns over in bed, she goes crazy. Like she, she knows, anytime he makes any sound, she she, she can hear him. She hates him. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. She hates him. Um, and yeah, if he gets up to get a drink, two in the morning, just our dog in the in our room is. Wah, 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 Hates his guts. What the uh, fuck? <laughs> I, know. I mean, but like everyone doesn't hate anyone else uh, in the house because we have another roommate. It's a full house. Loves the other roommate. Loves the other roommate. Wow. Hates one of her roommates, and uh, and you know what? Don't dogs go off of the feeling of the owner? Um, partially could right? be it. Yeah, might be. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know, but uh. What were we talking about this for? I don't know. We're just, we're just talking. It's just, it's, this is the podcast. Oh, like, I so, guess I uh, should introduce you now because this is like an informal podcast. I just like bo- talking and bullshitting with people because f- it's been a minute since we've seen each other, you know. I saw you at Nick's. Yeah, it's, it's been a minute. Like almost <laughs> almost not even. <laughs> it's been like uh, 27 hours or something. Yeah. The, technically, it has been a minute. It's true. Yeah. And so this is my guest, Antonio Aguilar. He's a really funny uh, stand-up comic. He's been doing it for a long time. 
He runs a show at Secret Group called Best of Secret Group, which is becoming a great show. It's two nights, eight eight o'clock, ten o'clock, Friday and Saturday. Like it's not always eight. Oh, sometimes. Is yeah. It's ten, always ten. Ten o'clock. Okay. Uh but uh it's not always eight. Joe. Hey man. <laughs> I'm gonna get people to go to your show, man. I know you're gonna get them to go at eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then stay until until it's ten o'clock for the show. And never come back again because they're like, "Yo, this is bullshit, man." I was listening to the Dog Haters podcast, and uh, <laughs> and Joe was like, "Come on, it's always at eight, and and we're here, and you know what? We're never coming back." Okay, there's sometimes an eight o'clock show, but go to the ten for sure. <laughs> go to the website, best of the secret group dot com, and then there you will be able to see what shows are this weekend because there's sometimes an eight. Sometimes there is uh there isn't. And you'll see all the comics uh that are performing this weekend, all their social media, everything like that. So uh just go to the website. So so I wanted to ask, like, have you do you have experience running comedy shows? Um I would say uh a a few a few. A few. Um but uh a lot of the time what I was doing well a couple times, I would start the show a week or two like a month or two. Uh, or maybe up to six months. I remember having uh-huh. one, and then I would give it to somebody because I I either moved or I would just would be on the road all the time. And so uh, it sounds like a startup. I had one time I broke up with a girl, and I gave her the show. <laughs> <laughs> like, like what? Like, 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 like in the breakup. <laughs> like I get the dog, you'll get the show. Yeah, because she I was doing the road. And um, there's nothing that'll make you uh, break off from a comedy scene as far as like uh, being friends with everyone more than if you do the road a lot. Uh And then um, at the time, my girlfriend, she, uh, you know, uh, let's just say that uh, bank tellers don't do the road as much as comedians. Right. Oh, really? So (laughs) I didn't know. So, uh, I mean, I was a bank teller, too, but um, I'm just saying so she'd be in town. And she was like, you know, she'd have comedians over to our house while I'm gone. And she's like making them dinner and like she's doing this. whole. So she's becoming way more popular than me. Well, she's, she was a good host. Um, She was a vindictive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to be. I, she was trying to be more popular than me with my friends. That is kind of weird. Absolutely. Yeah. But because of this. But did it work, though? Well, uh, you don't have uh, comedies. These aren't your friends. It's your colleagues. It's your coworkers. Oh, now we're getting to some real shit. Yeah. So okay. if you have like nobody has fifty friends, you know what I mean? Like nobody has fifty. Can you imagine having fifty actual fr- like people who like depend on you as a, like a friend? Yeah. Like uh, want to hang out? Like you cannot have fifty fr- friends. <laughs> friends. Like Man. close friends. Um, you can have acquaintances. Well, now, now there's a we have three tiers here now. Yeah. Because I'm not talking about close friends. You could probably only have like a few close friends. You can have maybe like ten, top twenty, pushing it, friends, right? But I'm talking so there's acquaintances which you could see them and you enjoy their company and everything, but you know you don't, you know you don't they don't know the details of your day to day life, right? Yeah. And then your friends might know the details of your day to day life. Um, but maybe they're not your emergency contact or some shit, you know, maybe they're not the the first person that you're going to ask for 
you know, personal, personal advice. Like, I have a rash on my dick. Like, you know what I mean? That's a close friend. To be honest, I don't even go up to my friends and tell them that. <laughs> Not your friends. That's what I'm saying. Not your friends. But your close friends, you would. No, I wouldn't. I would, go to, have a, some, okay. I would go to a doctor. Okay, that's a, but first, you, first you filter out. You filter through, usually, man. You know, you hear... The rash Are you going was, to your close friends? The rash was a dick. The, the rash was a uh, was a little uh, yeah maybe a little too personal, but uh, yeah. you know something like uh, I know what you mean. Metaphorical something rash, close, like something about your family or the way you feel. And like stuff a like metaphorical that. rash on your figurative dick. You know what I mean? I like that. Well, yeah, that you might ask a close friend. You know, yeah. Uh, like you know, have you ever? I s- feel like my soul has herpes. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's not bad. Yeah, that's but, uh, don't you hate the there's like a acronym for herpes? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, that uh, people so. use on dating sites. What is it? It's like HSV, I believe. HSV two. Yeah, yeah. HSV two. Yeah, yeah. I hate that. That's a thing because uh, I remember when I used to be on dating sites. If you go to the you you read a you read someone's bio, um, and then at the end of the bio, it'll say like HSV two positive, and then you're like, all right, that's I don't know what that is, but that's probably. And then you look it up and it's herpes. herpes. And it's like, God damn, I just learned so much about you to just know you have herpes at the end. Like and, you're invested, and by the end you're just like, ah. Put it, yeah. Well, why can't you put it at the top? People they hide it at the bottom, <laughs> just at the start. Hey, I got herpes. Like they want you to miss it. Like yeah. they still want the date, but then they want you to hopefully not know. Yeah. So then they can make you feel bad or what? I don't. You know. No, it's because they're embarrassed because right. they messed up in their life. Something happened with them, and well, they they want to be a good person and let you know beforehand. But yeah. it's also it's it's an embarrassing thing. Like, yeah, I mean, I would be embarrassed, but also like you shouldn't be, I guess. Um, because it's all, all that does, I feel like getting herpes, it just narrows, it just filters out potential partners. Yeah. Probably. I mean, you know, in a perfect world, oh no, it's fine. We'll use protection. It's like, but I'm sure there, every person with herpes, there's another person with herpes as well that would be into you and you guys can live a happy life together. But like couple up. I mean, I, I don't know if this statistic uh, statistic is true, but I heard like 80% of all people have herpes or something like that. Uh, is that is that also, does that include like cold sores and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Cause, uh, oral herpes, yeah. Oral herpes, it's like, uh, and even oral herpes has a name for it, a cold sore, so that, cold so that people don't have to say they have Canker oral herpes. Sore. Is that another name for the same thing? No, canker sore is different. Is it different? That's different. Yeah, okay. that's like in, inside your lip. You have like a little bump. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a different thing. That's no, not there's, herpes. There's, there's oral herpes inside of your mouth. No, no, no. I, yeah, but they they look different. Like a canker sore, it looks just like your lip. Like it, like if, I, I've had canker sores like as a as a kid, and like it looks just like it's the same color as your lip and everything. It's just like like a bump. Okay. And uh, like I would think that like well I know cold sores like it's definitely not just like. The, I feel like everybody listening right now is checking their mouth for any type of source. Yeah, yeah. 
kind of listeners you have. Like, <laughs> the best kind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just a bunch of people like. Yeah, the ones who put HSB2 on top of their profile. <laughs> it's my profile picture. <laughs> it's your positive. It's like a, it's like a filter. Like I said, no, it's like a, it's like a frame. Like, yeah. those, like those Facebook frames. It's yeah. like herpes positive. <laughs> you trying to normalize it. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather have AIDS at this point because AIDS is like. So I feel like if you have AIDS and you're open about it, you're like this guy must be rich. You know what I mean? Because you can afford, you can afford to have AIDS, not AIDS, but HIV. <laughs> you can afford to have AIDS. You can afford to have HIV. <laughs> I think Magic Johnson it never went full blown AIDS. I think it's always been HIV. Magic Johnson, so. he's got financial AIDS. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? I feel like, like I set you up perfectly for that. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Someone, oh, it's Magic Johnson. Oh, him. shit. He's mad now. Turn my phone off. God damn, Magic. We're sorry, Magic. Yeah. We're just joking. I feel like uh, he's at the age where he'd like call. You know what I mean? At a certain age. Uh, oh, you don't text anymore? People you just call say, people? Yeah, because it's your your eyesight. Your, and uh, you got those big old basketball fingers, you know? <laughs> That sounds racist. <laughs> it's size wise, man. It's not, I was thinking Larry Bird just trying to. He's <laughs> just gonna say, "It's like no." I was thinking about the white guy, like. <laughs> but he had like delicate hands. I feel like you know how he. Uh, he seemed like a delicate man. Yeah. 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 He. he uh, I, I believe they. Uh, they lost to the Pistons, the Bad Boy Pistons, because they were. I might be making this shit up, but. I feel like they roughed up Larry Bird in a couple of those games. Uh, uh, of course they did. They roughed up Jordan. I know they the roughed up Jordan. I just, I'm just so they like were, it was it, back in the day. It was that was the thing. Like they you fucked were, up Jordan. Hitting people. But I don't, I, I know, I don't know if they fucked up Larry Bird as much. They probably didn't. They just uh, for some reason they just hated Jordan. Well, because he's so acrobatic, so that he would go up and do these crazy, you know, moves to where um, they would take his feet out, so that you know he's Air Jordan. And Larry Bird wasn't like Air Bird, which you'd think it would be. Air Bird. <laughs> it sounds like Air Bud, but. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he should have been more acrobat, you know, with the last name like Bird. Bird. Yeah. But he was more like a penguin or a. Chicken. More like an ostrich. <laughs> he's, Chicken. He's a land bird. <laughs> he's a land bird. <laughs> Larry Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> when we talk about Bill Lambeer now, and that's ah. a. <laughs> It's a different story. That's not, yeah. I always got I always got those two mixed up. Lambert and Lambeer. That's that's simple, yeah. You know. Have you seen uh The Last Dance? Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I just finished watching it for a second time. I think it's amazing. Like yeah. uh the whole everybody talks about the success. Everybody cares about success. And they don't really talk about the struggles that people went through or all the bad times, which I get. But I also feel like you need to talk about it. Yeah. You know? Because like, it's the same thing with stand-up comedy. From what I've heard is like most of the comics that have made it have gone through years and years of like being told no and just a lot of disappointment and stuff like that. And it's like nobody ever talks about it. I would say that even more than being told no is it's more that uh, it doesn't matter that you are doing well. If nobody that has power can see it or uh, or is seeing it. So um, I would say I would have loved to have been told no more. 
but it was more not even no. It was more just uh, n- just uh, not right now. Won't, they won't no nothing. Just nothing. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> a, a lot of club managers they just won't watch. They will like make a point not to watch you because they don't want to have to book you as well as the dozens of comedians that they already book. Uh huh. Because then they have to take a let's, let's say they book you, they have to take a weekend away from someone else. You know what I mean? So when you start a club and then you have your regulars, then let's say a new person submits to you. In order to give that person a weekend, uh-huh. you have to not give a weekend to somebody that you've been giving weekends to. You have a relationship with them. You might be friends with them. You're taking away work, basically. You're taking away work from other people. They're friends almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's almost like an insult to some club owners that you want to work their club <laughs> because that means that you want to take work away from their friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Work away from people who have been doing their club for, for decades. And sometimes it's like you can tell, like, oh, shit, this guy's been doing this club for 20 years. And that's true. There's there's a lot of comics that headlining these smaller clubs for, like, decades. And uh, crowds don't care, you know. But if if you work with them a, a couple of years in a row, you notice they do the same act for 20 years, you know. I mean, it's, it's like... Uh, but uh, a lot of club owners don't care because if the audiences are entertained and if it's consistently they're happy, club owners don't really give a shit. Oh, he didn't. He hasn't written a new joke since, you know, he's got a Mike Tyson impression from 1990s pre-rape <laughs> trial, Mike. You know, like uh, type of impre- or like Prince impression and stuff like that. You know, yeah. like, like 80s material. In I mean, you've seen it. It's still happening. People still doing. Actually, uh, that's a. Good point. I just went to Lubbock recently, and uh, there was this uh, feature comic, and he was doing these old, old ass hacky jokes <laughs> that I haven't heard in so long, right? And then he even did. Uh, so he had the DJ play uh, the voice recording off of uh, the Apollo. Yeah, it was Steve Harvey's uh, hosting the one he hosted, right? Yeah. And he even did Steve Harvey's jokes. He was <laughs> legit doing Steve Harvey's set off yeah. of the Apollo. Yes. And I was like, what the fuck is going on right yeah. now? That should trip me the hell out. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And there's club owners that enable these people because they like them. They Let's say they go golfing with them, whatever it is. Uh-huh. But as long as the audience doesn't know or care, a lot of club owners don't care or know. Some club owners don't even you won't even know that that's Steve Harvey's stuff because you know they don't. Have- oh no no no! During the voice recording, it's like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome your host Steve Harvey. It was right in there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> God damn, that's shameless. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's crazy. I it just tripped me the. Fuck I work out. with a comic who he stole Richard Pryor's uh, mannerisms and facial expressions. Oh really? If you know Richard Pryor, you know the ones that are like uh, the way he would deliver, like he delivers that line about the like, why did you kill everyone in the house? They was home, but he the the facial expression and the delivery. Yeah. And I could tell when uh, if you ever watched that uh, Public Enemy music video, the bass head, the bass uh, about uh, cocaine and and the, the host. Watch that video. The host. Every time they talk to him, he's doing a uh, impression of a famous stand-up comedian. So, like, every time – it's not a host. It's a news reporter. 
it's a it's a music video about these like zombies that are on crack. It's from the eighties, Public Enemy video. And uh, every time they go to the news reporter, who's like, he's always doing a different famous comedian uh, impression, like a pretty good one. So like they go to him and he's doing Rodney Dangerfield, but he's talking about these zombies. And then they cut to him like a minute later, and he's doing Richard. Oh, Price. I don't get no brains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, or yeah, um, and uh, or he's doing Richard Pryor, but th- his impression of Richard Pryor was what this th- this comic was doing as the headliner. But he wasn't ever saying like, "All right, now an impression of Richard Pryor." He was just like, like using it, uh, like. And people were like, like, I feel like if you can't, you have to announce you're doing an impression of someone. You can't just do Robin Off Williams. The bat, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You imagine someone up there, they're just doing Robin Williams. <laughs> like uh, his, his, just his, his soul. Yeah. His essence. And they don't even announce it. And someone's like, hey, that sounds like the genie from Aladdin. Doesn't that sound like the genie from Aladdin? Oh shit, Will Smith? <laughs> that would be harder to do. It would be harder to just steal Will Smith's essence as a, <laughs> and do stand up and be do well. It's like holy yeah. shit, he's just stealing Will Smith. It's like <laughs> he's just doing all his characters and all his movies. <laughs> just like yeah, his like cool one liner like delivery. Of... And Will Smith's career really fell off uh, ever since he's, he he did that movie with his son, right? Which one? The After Earth? After Earth. Oh, yeah. Ever since that came out, man. I mean, when's the last Will Smith, like, hit? Uh, the one with the where he was with the dog and there were vampires and stuff like that. Uh, I Am Legend? I Am Legend. That shit was, like, 2009, I think. It Damn, was like, that was... Has it been that long? Yeah. Fuck. That movie's so old, it's a legend. <laughs> I love it. I love. I love when we do podcasts together. No, that movie. Just, if that movie. You know. If that movie had a voice, it would say, "I am uh, the legend of I am legend." Two thousand seven. Shit, man, that's a myth. Hey, hey, oh, no, that's. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Patrice O'Neill. Uh, his roast. He has that. It's kind of like that Jeff Ross. Oh yeah. Joke. Uh, he's a legend, and by legend, I mean a myth. myth. Yeah. 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 But still, got to laugh. There you go. Check them out. I love, I love Patrice. I mean, like, one of the biggest things that I've <clears throat> noticed from Patrice is, like, he has that comic mentality of, like, fuck everybody. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, how I want. Yeah. And that can help and hurt you in a lot of ways. So I was talking to Slade. Shout out to Slade Ham. Shout at, out. Uh, at Nick's and uh, at his birthday. And uh, I, was ta- I was talking about... I want to write an essay about Houston comedy because there's like three different levels. If you think of a Houston comic as a Pokemon, right? Oh, three different evolutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Three evolutions, all right? So you got like the Ralphie Mae is like the Pikachu, right? Really? Okay. So it's like, okay, jokes, funny delivery. Everyone can kind of, I mean, most people can get it and it makes them laugh. And that's all it is. You're, You're funny. That's all you. That's all you need. You can be a Pokemon as a Pikachu, right? Okay, starter level. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and now, 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 if you can also be like Mitch Hedberg, 
where now it's like also like uh, cerebral as well as funny. And it's like original as well. Like that's like if you can do both of that, that's like your next. That's your next. That's your, that's your right. Okay, you, so, OK. Right. Well, is there I know there isn't a third. Pill. <laughs> I knew I was I knew I was fucking myself on uh, choosing Pikachu. <laughs> Fuck man, who's a who's a better Pokemon? We got Charmander. Say. Charmander, okay. Yeah. So because Char- I, I know everybody knows Charmander. Yeah. Charmander, he what does he turn into? Charmeleon. Okay, good, 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 good. Yeah. Ooh, perfect. Okay, so now if you got you got so you already got like the funny, animated, and the thing is, Ralphie Mae was better at these certain things than Mitch Hedberg was, but if you just had what Ralphie Mae was. You could be a successful, obviously, successful headliner. If you just had what Mitch Hedberg has, you really couldn't be a successful headliner just doing that. He wasn't really a successful no, he would bomb headliner sometimes. because he had just the original and the cerebral, but he didn't have the energy that Ralphie May had. He didn't have the animated uh, type of uh, delivery that Ralphie May had uh-huh. because whatever. And then uh, the Charizard is Bill Hicks, right? Yeah. Now, Bill Hicks had, in my opinion, all of it. But the third thing that he brought was the keeping it real, no matter what the fuck you think. Uh, I'm going to say what I think because I believe in it. He also had everything else. I mean, um, he did it a lot less when you get to his known work. He wasn't doing the animated as much. He was. He was still doing it. When he first started out, he was doing that a lot. When he first started out, yeah, he was like a Ralphie Mae. And then, like he got he more, evolved, he evolved into a into, Mitch Hedberg, into like a into, but then Charmeleon, he, yeah. And then his the the pinnacle is the you say what you <clears throat> think, like you're telling people, like uh, if you're in marketing, kill yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're backing it up with like a, a point that could be, all right. I guess he's got yeah. a point. So and, yeah. uh, and Mitch Hedberg couldn't say that. No. Ralphie May couldn't say that. Because we're not here to hear that. We're here to laugh. And, Mitch, and uh, Bill Hicks was like, oh, you're here to learn, bitches. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, I think that a lot of comics, they try to do that first. They try to do the Bill Hicks part first. They try to keep it real first before they even learn how to do the the, the, the clown act. You know what I mean? You like, hit the nail on the head. There's so many, like, open micers that yeah. I see that are trying to do that, trying to be real and talk about the world. It's like, yeah. dude, you don't even know how to tell a joke. Why the <laughs> fuck are you doing this? Yeah, exactly is what I'm saying, man. You can't just evolve. You have to, you're not, you're, let's say your XP isn't uh, high enough <laughs> hey, to. Hey, they got EXP share, okay? They're, just, they're <laughs> off their friends. They just share the XP. <laughs> you got to. You got to roam around in the garden more and, and, and fight a fucking uh, a weedle or some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, but you most gotta... people want to be in the daycare and just make eggs, you know? What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you, yeah, yeah you know that. what I'm saying? Yeah. I think. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody listening knows what I'm saying. <laughs> There's no game genie is what I'm trying to say. No. Game shark, baby. Is that a. What's that? Is that like Game Genie? Remember, yeah. remember Game Genie? Oh yeah, I remember that. With the rich kids had, so they could cheat oh. and not never learn how to actually work. That's bad for. That's bad. That's for, a great euphemism for real life. That's what happens now. Like if you got some money, it pushes you up quicker. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you see, games do really evaluate real life. Yeah. Remember uh, the Game Genie? I remember Game Genie. No, no, no. The game, but if he was a genie like Will Smith. 
Oh, <laughs> the game? <laughs> What's up, blood? What's your wish, dog? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck you wishing that for? <laughs> <laughs> he was on a dating game, too. Oh, really? <laughs> no, no, no. He was on Change of Heart. Oh, Change of Heart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, thought, I thought you meant dating game. I was like... That would be... It that, been. It that, could, been. that could have been it. That could have been his been dating it. game show. Like, he, the dating game. He was on Change of Heart. Remember yeah. Change of Heart? Uh, which one was that one? Oh, that was the one where uh, the... the they take the couple who's kind of going through something, and then uh, they each go on dates with, a, like, another person, and then they come back to the studio, and then they decide if they're going to stay together or if they're going to start dating this other person. That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> that whole concept is fucked up. Yeah, right? But uh, that's a good TV. Though. It's like, hey, you're almost about to break up. Let's just push that even quicker, you know? But then, you know, a lot of times it's just actors. Yeah. You know? For the most part. Kind of. You remember what started it all? Like, uh... It was either Flavor of Love or the, For the Love of Ray J, one of those. I, I don't know if those... No, Change of Heart was like the 90s, like late 90s, early 2000s. Like it's, oh, okay. Change of Heart was a, it was on like UPN or something. Oh, shit. Yeah. I like, remember UPN back in the day. Yeah, yeah, did yeah. You, okay, did you have uh, basic TV or did you have cable? Uh, We had... Uh, I had HBO and shit. You did? Yeah. I had uh, HBO and I was like 10... That'll fuck you up, man. No children should yeah. have, no <laughs> children fuck ha- you up. no children should have access to it. No. But we had like b- basic cable um as far as the way like it plugged right into the TV. You know, we didn't have like I didn't have, well in Well, like, that's what that's what I have basically. In, in the living room we had like yeah. the box and everything, but yeah. like in my room it was just plugged right in, but I still got HBO. And I used to watch that shit every night in 5th grade. At, you know, on one volume, right? Would you, would remember you when you put? Remember you just put one yeah, volume? Yeah, yeah, just one. This is very low. Mm-hmm. Okay, so would you watch those like uh, the adult shows? Yeah, yeah, I would night? watch Oz. <laughs> you right? Like Ten years old watching Ten years people old, get shanked. Ten years old, damn, raped, raped uh, getting uh, not, uh, swastikas ta- uh, burned into them like brands on their. Yeah, a lot of what were you male thinking? frontal nudity, all that. What uh, did you think during that time? This is an amazing show. <laughs> <laughs> the storytelling, holy shit, man. Your young mind already figured out the concept of what a good TV show is. Man, I was living my life in fifth grade. I remember it. And then I would put my, I was spoiled, man. I had things. I had like, uh, I had a disc man. Remember disc man? I remember those. Yeah, I had one, and I would have it on your hip and in your headphones. And and I was so into music. I would, I would, uh, I would, I would put it on while I was sleeping. Well, no, I wouldn't. I would put it on while I was going to sleep. I would listen to a whole album. I was listening to like Purple Rain, like from front to back. How old were you? This is all ten. This is all (laughs) ten. Damn, so your life started quick. It started early. Had a single dad, right? Uh huh. And so just me and him. And hey, me too. Yeah. You and my dad? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's my dad, too. <laughs> it's like Jacob Jingleheimer yeah. Smith. <laughs> Jacob Jingleheimer, dad. Yeah. <laughs> His last name is my last name, too. <laughs> Whenever we go out. The people always shout, hey, that's not your kid, but maybe too. <laughs> You're not my dad. <laughs> Super ugly ass. Yeah. <laughs> Super mom. But, uh, ugly mother. All right. Um, but, uh, no, uh, I remember, man, I was, uh, I, I can't imagine being my dad having to put up with my shit, man. I would, 
I <laughs> he would uh man he he would all every every week he'd buy me like uh, a CD and shit. I mean, it was he'd spoil me, but well, what would he buy? Would you did you buy Prince yeah. or did your dad no, buy I, Prince? He would show me stuff and I would like it and I would buy it. Ah, okay. So what? Did well, he buy it was his you? money, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, technically <laughs> he bought it. Yeah, but what would he specifically get for you? Never. Never, never picked something out and then gave it to me. Um, if I was ever listening to his stuff, I would have to like borrow it from the living room and stuff. You know, yeah. from his like. Uh, remember when when you know someone's old when they have like the shelves, the shelving of CDs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, I that's almost that. worse than VHS because at least with VHS you're like, all right, you know. Uh, but fuck, like, my man. dad used to have like a tower. Yeah, of yeah, CDs yeah. That's what I'm saying. Different CDs. That's what there. I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And you and you you know you take one out. And, yeah. yeah, and sometimes they had the book, and you just go oh, I had one of those. I had a few different of those. of those CDs. Yeah, I remember. Those that. are the good old days, man. Whew, you know, back in the day. And 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 then you could tell <laughs> someone, uh, but then you got the book, but then none of your CDs have art. Yeah, because they're all burned. <laughs> yeah, they're all, yeah. If you saw somebody who had like art on their CDs, you're like, "Holy shit, this dude's." Yeah, they come like that. Looks good. Fuck. It looks good when you pull it out. Oh, some of them had art, but it was like a paper, like it was like uh, put on it. Okay, yeah, yeah, but those are bootleg too. You're right, bootlegs. I, I remember that because I remember when I got the DVDs. They used to have like these little crappy ass art on it, and yeah. I was just like, "Okay, this is weird, but whatever." I would put my Discman on at night. If I wasn't watching HBO, real sex. At 10. <laughs> that was your thing. It's like it's ten o'clock. HBO, real sex is on. Dad, leave me alone. I'm trying to watch my show. It would just be me and him, and it's like small house. And I would put my uh, Backstreet Boys album on, or, or uh, Wu Tang Clan. Hey. Uh, enter the Enter the Thirty Six Chamber. Thirty Six Chamber. And I would sing along. So sometimes I would be, you know, it would be like midnight. You know, I'm supposed to be sleeping. I got fifth grade tomorrow. You know, you are my father. My dad's listening from the door next door. He comes in, go to bed. You know, <laughs> or sometimes, uh, you know, he's like, he would, uh, he would hear like, Obama, atomically, Socrates, philosophy, and like, like Wu Tang. Like, I had, I didn't, I guess I learned to like what I like and not care what. So I would have Backstreet Boys and Wu Tang Clan right next to each other as a 10 year old, didn't give a F what, and Will Smith. There you go, uh, and it was kind of like if you mixed the two, you had a you had a wide if range. If you mixed Wu Tang and the Backstreet Boys, Boys. you get Will Smith, I believe. <laughs> it's like if you take two Pokemon, you try to make one out of them. I mean, it's uh, it's that, that middle right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, <clears throat> if you take New York and L.A. and you got Miami right in the middle, right there. What? I don't know. For the I, most part, Will Smith reference. There you go. But uh, anyways, yeah, man, I used to watch all of that stuff, HBO, late night, uh, I swear, man, that's, that I was raised by TV, uh, TV, yeah, like cable guy yeah. type, Yeah, raised by TV, raised by music, movies. I was, I was the same way. Uh, the internet. Yeah, same way for me when Remember I was. Remember the first pornographic uh, picture you printed out? I never printed it out because <laughs> it would never load fast enough. It would just be like, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Oh, boobies, finally, after like two hours, you know. Damn. Okay. It was dial-up. I had dial-up, too, but I was, um, but I, I guess I had more, I had from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., all bets are off, right? Because my dad would be at work and I'd be home. So I had like two hours to. Like right after school. Right after school. Home, you wouldn't know already. It was like, okay, I got 
until five o'clock. Until I got until five o'clock to do uh, whatever debauchery that I that I want in in that house, man. I would say never. So you were a latchkey kid. Yeah, latchkey kid. That's what I was too. I would say the worst thing <laughs> for a child is internet access with no supervision and a lot of time at ten years old. Oh yeah. Could you imagine letting your kid have internet access for two hours at ten years old? And no supervision. What do you think they're gonna do? What do you think they're going to do? Okay, if, if it's a boy, look up boobs. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If it's a girl, then she's gonna just try to look whatever YouTube or something like that. No, man, girls too, dude. Girls like, uh, I mean, hor- they have hormones. The same. They're going through puberty. The same, dude. That the thing is, with the girls might not look up porn, mm-hmm. but they'll talk to. They'll start talking. Guys, chat yeah, room yeah, yeah, yeah. They might yeah. talk to an older guy because they're more mature than boys. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. That's a very good point. But Damn. still, you don't want them to have that. You you don't want them to have no supervision on the internet at that age. So say you had a kid now, how would I you? do have a kid? But yeah, but oh, I mean, you do. She doesn't I have mean, an internet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she does not have uh, unsupervised internet ever. Okay, so uh, how do you deter your child from going into these weird sites, talking to weird people and stuff like that? Just don't let them use the internet uh, unless you're, you, I mean, unless you know what they're doing on it, you know? Be in the room. I mean, yeah. It's, <laughs> Just stay if, in there if they're, watching. If they're 10 years old, 12 years old, you don't have to watch what they're doing. Yeah. But, you know, just have it be something that they're not hiding. They sh- they should never have to hide what they're doing on the on the internet from their parents. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, or have the kids version of the browser. That that's the whole thing where you can only go to certain sites and yeah. like you know Add okay you're gonna block, use, adult blocker or something adult like blocker yeah <clears throat> or, or just like okay you want to use the internet what are you using it for you know oh I want to listen to this song cool listen to that song. But if you can't tell your parents at that age what you're doing on the internet, you shouldn't be using it. There's other stuff for you to do. There's other your friends to play with. There's TV that's yeah. okay to watch. There's, There's HBO after dark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using myself as a, you don't want to become a comedian. You know? Okay, so that's a very good point. So I've been thinking about it. Like if I have a kid, there's always there's always that question. When you have a boy, are you going to push him into stand-up comedy? Now for me, hell no. If if no. my if my child decides upon their own thought and mind that they want to do stand up, I'll be like, sure, I'll support them or whatever. But I'm not gonna push my kid into it because I, I don't know. It's not it's not something that it's something that I love doing. It's something that I won't ever stop doing. But there's a reason why I do it. You know, there there's certain things that happen in my life that got me here, and yeah. I don't want that for my kid. Yeah, absolutely. If you Try. There's never been a successful comedian who uh, it's like, what got you into stand up? Well, my dad took me to stand up classes and uh, enrolled me in stand up school. And uh, it's never that's never been a thing. Yeah. I was going for uh, stand up classes from like uh, three to four every (laughs) week. You know? Yeah. I don't want to write a joke. (laughs) Write a joke. (laughs) I want to write a joke. Write a joke. I want to do my math homework. You you better come up with a (laughs) punchline. But uh, but no, you can't. Uh, stand up is something that it's like music, I believe. Uh, in a in not classical type music, but like singer songwriter, yeah. where you have the talent to do that, or you don't. 
nobody can train you to be a singer songwriter. Maybe they can train you to be a, a violinist or a piano player and play other people's stuff, but to come up with it, yeah, it's it, you either you do it or you don't. And um, I mean, I have. I have, there's like one child I can think of who, she's not a child anymore, but a uh, stand-up that was like doing the, you know, it was a weird thing too. I remember I, uh, I followed her at a comedy festival one time. Uh, she's nine. This sounds really creepy now. <laughs> I said that. I said that in, the, in, in my set. It's like the first thing I said. I'm like following a nine-year-old is not a good idea, but here we are. Uh, uh, and, uh, but yeah, she was nine and she was doing the comedy festivals and stuff. And, uh, but like that's that's a crazy thing being well, being young, being that age, and just realize oh I, I want to do comedy. She got on Good Morning America and stuff like because of the story, like nine year old stand up. Yeah. But a lot of people uh, are like, I don't know if they necessarily proved it ever, but it was pretty obvious that her dad was writing her material. Ah oh, shit! But they didn't want you to think that her dad was writing the material, right? They wanted you to think she was writing it and that she's just so precocious that she's having these total adult thoughts, thoughts and, and, yeah. and, 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 and whatever. And, um, and so like, that's the, like the, the only time that I can remember like a child doing stand up. I mean, besides like AGT, but like, this was like a tour. This, this girl was like touring. Like she was doing like clubs and stuff. Like, I mean, Chappelle started when he was like 14, 15 years old. Yeah. That's still, uh, it's, he wasn't touring, you know what I mean? Like uh, he was, he was, you know, he was doing open mics, you know. But I mean, this this girl's like, you know, she's in comedy festivals. And she's nine, you know, like like yeah. she had way more success already at nine. But also, fourteen's that's different. Pete mm-hmm. Davidson was doing stand up at fourteen. You could see that a fourteen year old could write jokes, but like nine, like she was writing. She had a joke about about uh, Kurt Cobain's death at nine. Where she's like, I'm glad that uh, something, something, blah, 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 we would have never had Foo Fighters. Something like, like, uh, if it wasn't for Kurt Cobain. Like, I, I fucked the joke up. Or, but no nine-year-old is having this. Her dad is listening right now. That's not how I wrote it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, no, no nine-year-old is having this. this uh, Those types of, like, uh, thoughts. Like, yeah. yeah. Cause, like, I mean, may- maybe. Well, May- you talk to some nine-year-olds; they don't even know what the hell Nirvana is. So <laughs> maybe she thought of the joke, but it was definitely like it—it it was with help of her dad. You know what I mean? It was like with influence of being around him and 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 like, hey, let's let's write together, you know, type of thing. So was her is her dad a stand-up? Like he had done it, uh-huh. but then like she got so much more successful than him. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> that like you know he would he was more like you know he was always there with her. Yeah. But you know nobody ever talked about his stand up or his you know I never saw him booked on anything. Um, but uh, but I I would say that you know it's like if you sit down with your kid and say hey let's write jokes and then you, you know you're you're helping them write you know it's they're writing it I mean you're writing it mostly I mean if you if, if you're a, 40-year-old man yeah. sitting with a 10-year-old kid. It's it's really, you're filtering it through maybe their language a little bit, but, like, it's your, they wouldn't be doing it without you. Let's just say, put it at that. For the most part. No 10-year-old yeah. is, is pursuing stand-up by themselves without you're, getting, yeah. getting yeah. pushed into it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that uh, you can't, you can't uh, 
push a comic, uh, a, a child into stand up. Um, even I don't think you can push a child into anything and actually have it work. I think they have to they have to want to do it. So, so. say your daughter wants to get into stand up. Yeah, I, I mean it would be her a hundred percent her her uh, her decision. I don't think I would even write with her. No, no, not even go through like a set up punch teacher. Absolutely to not. No, so I she, she has to learn everything herself. Uh, yes. So yeah, you have to be depend. Uh, you have to be independent about it because like you you can turn. You know, uh, you can turn someone into a stand-up if you sit down with them and you help them write. If you're a stand-up, like, you could teach them how to how to do it. And then they just sound like you, you know. You, t- you teach them how to do stand-up like you. Mm-hmm. That's why comedy classes don't work because you're, the teacher is teaching everyone how to do stand-up like they do it. Yeah, that's a good point. Getting their essence, the way they write jokes, the way they tell a punchline, everything yep. about them. Yeah. And then you go, you go to the. They always have like the graduation show for <laughs> classes. Everyone's family and oh, yeah. and friends are there, and everyone's just doing their own impersonation of this teacher. You know what I mean? They're most of they're all. None of them are doing their own. Like it's not their soul. It's it's just to me that's the worst thing. And there's and like in Peru they don't even have open mics. It's all classes. Like in that, Peru. In Peru, oh, I mean, sure. there's in, in some countries where the comedy is like 20 years behind America, obviously. Yeah, like Mexico, same way. Yeah, Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, there's, it's just, it's classes and shows. There's it's a lot of like slapstick in Mexico. Yeah. And like uh, costumes and very like charismatic and yelling a lot. And yeah. Stuff like that. In Peru, there's a lot of storytelling with act outs and facial expressions. It's like all like, it's like telling us a 10 minute story where like, it's like, Wow, you're acting out everything. So then I walk up the stairs, right? And it's like you're yeah. acting out, walking up the stairs, like you know what I mean. Like, like people are laughing, like ha 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 ha. Oh um, yeah, and they'll and they'll laugh at that stuff. Yeah. It's, but uh, my favorite representation of Latin comedy is uh, I've never been a fan of just Latin Latin comedy where it just never been. But uh, no, so are the you Bumblebee about- from Simpsons. <laughs> Oh, he does meal. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. That shit. There's a lot of like midgets in uh in Latin comedy. Like uh, the shows just completely like Sabado Gigante has built a lot around. of midgets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Built around midgets, like uh, <laughs> it's just built around clowns. There's like like the midgets came first. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> what came first, the midget or the, yeah. or the clown? Yeah, the clown. The midgets first. Midget. Okay. It turned to a clown. Oh, it, it evolved into a clown. Yeah. <laughs> What's the Charizard of midget clowns? If you will. Brad Williams. <laughs> All right, that's a good, this is a good show. <laughs> Brad Williams. His bio should be the Charizard of midget clowns. Of midget clowns. That's, an app, that's a perfect bio. I love having to do a podcast with you. It's awesome. Yeah, this is fun. Well, like, uh, same, man. I I love doing podcasts with you. I just, it takes me a second because I'm not (laughs) used to using the word love. Ah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't get too much of it when I was younger either. I got it, but it was just through uh, material. Oh, from your uncle. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of real sex. (laughs) 
with Bill Maher. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I love talking stand up with, with other comics. And uh, it, it's a crazy thing because we all got in it for a reason. Like, yeah. do, you, do you feel like because you didn't get a lot of love in your family and stuff like that when you were growing up? Uh, to me, it was uh, it was a uh, bullying is what got me into to uh to being funny because uh i remember like when i was first grade second grade my friends were like fourth grade fifth grade it was the kids who bullied me but then i made them laugh so then they liked me because if you see pictures of you see pictures of my like second grade birthday party it's like me and a bunch of like fifth graders all at my table and like uh you're the second grader you're the smallest one the smallest one and a bunch of bigger kids at my table wow because i was just uh did you feel like a big shot like you're the coolest one or no i didn't uh maybe i did i i guess i felt good to have friends but i didn't have friends like every like uh like like everyone else my age you know what i mean people my age i didn't really uh i couldn't really relate to kids my own age all through high school when I was a freshman, my friends were seniors, you know, uh, and it was because I was always into what they were, the older kids were doing. So like, uh, even when I was like four or like five years old, I was, uh, playing like Street Fighter two at the arcade. My, my parents, they would bring me to the arcade. They get, I would get, and I would get the milk, I would get the milk crate out myself, put it in front of the Street Fighter two. And then they would watch me play teenagers. And like Beat I would them. hold my own, yeah. you know, I wouldn't always win. But I remember there would always be like a kind of like crowd, and and I had my aunt, my aunt would take me. She was like fourteen, fifteen. She would take me to the mall when I was like yeah five or six, and she'd take me to the arcade, and she'd set me up at the Street Fighter, and then she would hang out next to it because all these guys. Would and she'd meet boys like that. She would meet. She would use me to meet boys. Oh shit! The reverse because I uh, I know one of my brother used to do that for my little sister. She mm-hmm. would take her to the mall in the little cart and whatever in the seat. Yeah, and just walk around and girls would be like, "Oh my god, she's so cute." She's yeah. So, oh my god. But it's like it's because my <laughs> uncle. I always had older. I always had older people or uh, or like my uncle was like her age, you know, like or like fourteen. I think she was like twelve or thirteen. Um. And he and but he would teach me how to he taught me how to play chess at that age. He taught me how to play Street Fighter. He'd be like, all right, you got to do jump kick and then follow that up with the the trip. He was teaching you combinations and stuff. Yeah. And I would you know if a kid is can grasp that and it was fun. I was I would I would do it. But uh, so you were smart and you were mature for your age. I was yeah because um, I was always around adults. I was always around um, and. Uh, but the thing is, I was not smart the way my dad understands smart. My dad would be really frustrated by me because I could do these things that normal children don't do. But he would come at me with like, all right, here's like basically algebra. Yeah. And I was in first grade. And I just, I just, I don't know if I, I kind of think I learned that I have some type of dis- learning disability. <laughs> so being funny is a disability. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> It's the product of some dysfunction, yeah. because uh, yeah, if I was a normal kid, you know, I would have I would have just had friends my own age and stuff. But I always wanted to do what the older kids were doing. So Same. I remember in, in I went to daycare, 
and uh, I wanted to play. Uh, it was like Dungeons and Dragons, right? But all the fifth graders are like, you know, you can't play with us. You know, you're you're a little kid. You know, and I don't know, I don't know what I said or what I did, but they would accept me because and they'd let me play because I, I I knew how to play and and I and I would uh you know I would interact with them at their level. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you would relate to them. Yeah. Yeah, I I knew yeah. how to play the uh yeah how, how to and 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 the thing is I learned like uh, it was always like I would always start out getting kind of bullied but then I would think about okay well, how can I make myself likable and if I could say something that make them laugh they would like me. That's so smart at that age. That's crazy. Yeah, I remember one time these kids they stole my backpack, and uh, and then and then I was like. I don't want. I don't want to do my homework anyway, or something like that. You know, like, or I said something like that, or like, or, or you know, uh-huh. or, uh, or you can have it. And I, I just like walk away. <laughs> that's, that's all you, dog. Because they want me to chase them. Yeah, obviously. You know? And uh, what, but I, well, then they'd be like, oh, okay, fine. Here's your bag. The, the thing is, yeah, or no, they, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I think my dad taught me to be like that too, because my dad grew up. He was really short, um, and he was in a third world country. So he, I mean, he. He uh, he taught me to to be like that to, to be able to deal with bullies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't even remember the the. I mean, he must have. I mean, where else would I have learned that from? But he definitely. That's a different way to to handle it because the way my dad taught me was to fight, like to. Beat oh yeah, people no, up. no. My dad said, uh, you know, you you have to be smarter than them. Yeah, that's, that's and uh, and then if you're if you if there's no possible way that you can then fight them, I guess. Yeah. So I guess your dad just went right to the. No, uh, yeah, because he was small too. <laughs> yeah, he was just like, uh, he wasn't a smart man. Like, yeah. uh, third grade was the highest grade he ever completed. Yeah. And he had to work as a young kid. So obviously, he wasn't like your dad. I'm pretty sure your dad was well educated, went to school and all that. He had to really try, though. Like, yeah. my, my dad, I, my dad also has uh, like dyslexia. Like, uh, but he has a software company, his own software company. Like, you know, he's an engineer. He, you know, graduated. But, but he, I swear he can't read like <laughs> I swear like or that it takes it's a lot of work for him. It's the same. So um, my brother, when he was in jail, he used to send us letters. Right. Yeah. And but the letters were in English and he couldn't read English. So every time he would get a letter, it's like, Pepe, read this to me. Yeah. Like every time. Just read this to me or whatever. Uh, Bill or something. Read it to me. Yeah. Like it, it's like he could read, but that <laughs> it, it just took longer for him to understand it. Uh, because, well, like dyslexics, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just, it's, and I feel like I had the same thing with numbers. I, I still think I have that with numbers same and I, thing, and I learned man. it's called dyscalculia. It's like, it's, it's like, it's, it's similar. I have a little bit of dyslexia as well. Um, so like I have the intelligence, Yeah. but to me it was always easier to think of, uh, like a way around the problem. Like. Everyone would be like, okay, this is the steps to solve the problem. And I would look at the problem and be like, all right, I don't, I can't follow the steps. Here's an idea that you don't even need to do this word problem. Yeah. And then that's what I would do. So you would think outside the box. Yeah. Because, because I couldn't put it, it, and I don't know if it was ADD, dyslexia, a bunch of undiagnosed stuff I had. So the same thing for me uh, with the math thing, when uh, I was, I would always fail math. And in college I failed math like twice yeah. And I got pissed off because I was like, I couldn't just get it. So I had to force myself to learn the formulas and the concepts and stuff like that. I got a B at the end, but it was so much work just to get a B. Yeah. That really tripped me out. And, and you just think like, <clears throat> what you're good at won't take this much work. 
Yeah, English. So, I, I used to just get A's all the time. I yeah. wouldn't even try. Yeah. I would just write something. Boom. A. Yeah. It was weird. Right. And so uh, being raised with my dad, he didn't understand that I was good at the English part because he wasn't. He didn't understand that it's also you can get jobs with it. You can be successful with English and, and yeah. whatever. You don't have to be a mathematician to be smart. Uh, and so uh, I think that's why I, I'm stand up. It's because it was always me trying to figure out how to prove my worth without being able to do what my dad thinks is worthy, which is computers. Actually, I'm pretty good with computers, but uh, yeah, you are. math was basically yeah. a lot of what so I remember. It, <laughs> I was always a sucker for. I always wanted attention too, and that's so. I'd be funny for that reason as well. Same. And um, my dad would have friends over, and I would always want to try to be the. They would call me the cool guy. That's what <laughs> his friends would call me. Because, hey, the cool guy is here. Because <laughs> I, uh, I was just like, I would just say what's on my mind, and it would like. Uh, his friends always thought I was funny. They were just like fascinated. You were just yourself. Yeah. You were always yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's the, the first time I went thing. to Peru, I was a. And I learned that they like the clowny humor. So there's videos of me being a complete clown <laughs> because that's what that's what they like. So you looking back at that now, are you embarrassed? Or you're just like, oh, no, man, just, I was in third grade and yeah. I was just crushing it. I had a I had a dance that I did. So uh, you, Damn, know, you had a you had a whole routine. I had a yeah, I had a I had a dance uh, uh-huh. and um, I had a routine. Yeah, um, I would I would sing the, I would sing the national anthem of the United States for one dollar. <laughs> Okay. Because they don't speak English, you know. And they would pay you a dollar yeah. to sing that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In, in the na- I was there for a whole summer. So in the neighborhood, hey, there's the kid that'll sing the National Anthem for a dollar. You know, and I mean, it's, it, it, you, it's pretty good entertainment for uh, Peruvians that don't speak English. How much money did you make? Um, I mean, probably like 10, 10 bucks. And it probably happened at least, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, but uh, that's Peruvian cool. bucks, yeah. so that's you know it's so less different. It's probably like three bucks then. Three bucks <laughs> in American. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I get my and then I go drink, my, go buy my soda, uh-huh. buy, buy my cookies. You know, well that's smart because <laughs> you're a kid and you made money and you could go buy things. Yeah, like, uh, me so me doing stand up comedy now, I've learned about barking, and mm-hmm. one of the biggest problems when I have when I'm barking is when you tell somebody oh that you do comedy, they're like tell me a joke. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways to counteract that, I got pissed one day. I was just tired of it, right? This guy, he just caught me at the wrong time. He was just like, oh, you're funny? <laughs> Tell me a joke. And I was like, pull out a dollar. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? And I was like, get your wallet out, take a dollar, and put it on the table. If I tell you a joke and you laugh, I'll take so, the dollar. So check me out right now. Already? You sound so aggressive. That'd be like, this guy doesn't sound like a lot of fun, man. This guy's like... I know, I know, I know. Because comedy is not... Hey, hey, bro! Check this out. <laughs> Pull your wallet out. <laughs> take your fingers, grab yeah. a dollar bill, put it on, and then I'll tell you. What, I'll it's like you. I'll show you what I got. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, I told you you caught me at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was just fed up. <laughs> yeah, but then after I did that, he actually laughed, and I I started doing it to more people, and I was yeah. I, I made a couple bucks on the side because like comedy doesn't pay, so I was just like I need something right now. Oh man. Well, yeah, that's uh, that sucks that it doesn't pay. We're working on that. I, I want to change that too. Uh, um, like uh, I booked. Well, at my level, I'm basically a uh, what's it called, Charmander right now. 
I'm trying but to be. I'm trying to Ralphie be. Ralphie May was making money, all right? Yeah. So I'm trying to be Charmander let's right not, now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let me get to that point first. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, there, being a Charmander is, I'll say, 90% of what a working full-time headline comics are Charmander. A lot of people's dream is to be a working comic. That's my, that's my dream, just to be a working comic, go on the road every week, make some money, and just be able to have fun and go to different cities. Like some other people go for hire, though, try to be famous and get on all these TV shows and stuff like that. I don't know. What's, what's your dream in comedy? My, my dream is to do what I want to do and never have to do what I don't want to do. So I have been the working headliner um, before, but you have to work for people who you might not like. Mm. You, you have to uh, swallow your pride sometimes and uh, you know humble yourself to club owners and bookers and send emails that sound like you're so desperate to work their club, even though it's not in those words, but like you put them on a pedestal and you're under the pedestal type of thing. Yeah. And that's what I wasn't willing to do. Cause I'm like, if I'm going to kiss ass, then I would have just gotten an office job and kissed ass and wait, made way more money and make the office laugh. Like I, w- I didn't get into this to kiss ass. I got into this to be myself. So, I mean, for, for, for me personally, yeah. Uh, when I first started stand-up comedy, I was only focused on the creative side. And then once I started learning the business, that really fucked me up. Like, the business side is something that a lot of people don't talk about. A lot of people don't understand that. And once yeah. they get into it, they're like, oh, this is what comedy is? I thought I, thought I was just going to go on stage and tell jokes. And then there's that yeah. other world, you know? Yeah, so, like, the a lot of people's dream is, like you said, to be working comics. And that's actually, uh, that's not the dream. That, for me, that's the work. That's work. That was the, that's why it's called working yeah. comics. Uh, so, uh, like, I had the, you know, I can show you some of my old, like, touring schedules from, like, 2017. It's like, oh, shit, it's like 20 gigs in a month, right? Headlining every one, right? Damn. But it's $100 a show, right? Whoa, okay. That's not good for headlining. For 45 minutes? An hour. An hour? Some, yeah, usually an hour. Okay. So for $100 for an hour. But to me, I'm like, I'll make $2,000 a month. I'm happy. The, did did the you booker, feel like you undervalued yourself then? No, because I no? had never headlined anything at, oh. that, at that time in my career. Okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a booker who was, who was like, you can headline... You know, hundred bucks. Go to these cities. You know, find your figure, figure it out. Yeah, you get there yourself, but you'll get the money absolutely you, after the show. Yeah. Abs- yes. Oh, okay. Um, but this is a guy who knows that's what I want, right? And that he doesn't, and he's gonna give me the l- least amount of support in it, right? Yeah. So this guy did that for hundreds of shows. So he, every night he'd have like eight shows going on and um, he would just send anyone who would do it like, hey, go headline hundred bucks. As long as there's no complaints, you can do it again and again and again. So, you know, I wouldn't get complaints. So, you know, he's hitting me with, you know, hey, here's, you know, 20 dates. Can you do these ones? And it's like, shit, you know, I'm got to be in fucking Colorado and then I got to go to Oregon. And then I got to go to Washington. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, like crazy. But, you know, 
it would I'd be making a, a living, and then I could book my own openers and stuff. So then I would I would like let's say I got to Denver, and I would just like go on like the Facebook group and be like, uh, I need an opener, you know. Also, I didn't have a license at the time, so I was like I need someone to pick me up <laughs> from the Greyhound, <laughs> and you can do uh, ten minutes at this show tonight. And people would just feel like message you going like, yo, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And yeah, literally the first person, I mean, I need a ride. So I fucking, yeah. whoever will come, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get through, you know, you're not going to walk the audience, you know. Uh, it was, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But uh, How but, many times would you book an opener and they would just bomb, like just bomb and then mess up the show for you? I'll say like, uh, they would never mess up the show. Uh-huh. Because it was only 10 minutes and the show was going to be, it's usually, it was you, an opener, and then um, a lot of time we were, we're, he would, if we were lucky enough to have two of us, then he, we'd all get, we'd both get a hundred bucks and then it would be, uh, or, or uh, no, I was getting, I was, I would go on the tour with like, I would go on like a run and I'd bring one, I would bring a feature with me. Uh-huh. So he'd be getting 50 bucks a show, I'd be getting a hundred bucks a show. And then, like, um, sometimes we needed an uh, MC. Sometimes we didn't. But, uh, but yeah, if it, if I didn't have the middle guy, then it w- I would just book an MC to do 10, and then I would do the hour. Um, and uh, But, yeah, a lot of the time, I would say a third of the time, they wouldn't have a good set. But these are gr- the audiences we're doing. are It's Groupon slash Eventbrite audiences. These are the n- easiest audiences in America. Huh. Okay. So let's say you're in Clinton, Iowa. Ever heard of it? Nope. Absolutely. Nope. 500 people, right? They have nothing to do in that town. You make a Groupon in their area, you know, buy one, get one free comedy show at this brewery, buy your house, they're going to come. That never happens in their, in their you know, uh, in, their, in their neighborhood. So, Dude, so they make an event out of it. For the night. They're like, oh, we got comedy on a Friday night. Yes. Let's and it, t- get a babysitter, get nice and ready, and then we'll just go out and yeah. have a good time. Yeah, who, yeah, absolutely, because it's something to do. Yeah. So these audiences are easy. So most of the time, the, the, the comic wouldn't, would be fine because they haven't, they're not stand-up fans. They don't have a gauge for what's good, what's bad, what's hacky, what's not, blah, blah, blah. Ah, they don't, you know. Okay. So, you know, anyone can mostly do 10 minutes. And then if you're actually pretty good and, you know, you can, yeah, you could do an hour. Honestly, uh, any, any, any comic, once they've won an audience over, you can do an hour. Yeah, just whatever you want. Because yeah. they like you. Uh, so I did Axelrad a couple, like a month or two ago, and I was on stage, and I was only supposed to do like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. But Jeff just let me keep going, and by the end, I did 30 minutes. Yeah. And it was nonstop laughter. They just kept laughing the whole time. They were going yeah. with me. They, I, I won them over, mm-hmm. and they were just listening, and they loved it. Yeah. And it was a crazy feeling because I, I think that was the first time I ever actually won an audience over mm-hmm. and then kept just going. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a weird feeling. It felt good, though. It felt yeah. really good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird the first time. Yeah. You know, it's like anal. When- <laughs> That's bad. It's, it's not even. That's weird. Can we just take that out? Uh, when did you get your first applause break? First time I did stand up. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. First open mic. First open mic. First open mic. I went to the comedy club in Madison. 
because they had a sold out open mic every week on Wednesdays because it's a college college town and it was two dollars to get in two dollar PBR tall boys uh-huh so it was sold out every every Wednesday and uh yeah and I uh you know the whole set didn't go well but I had one joke that got uh, an applause break about uh it was um so I'm in college I went to uh, I, you know I went to college to become a to become a lawyer and then uh one day I, I called my dad and I was like dad I'm going to drop out because I'm going to become a rapper. And he was like, you know, Tony, that's terrible. It's a terrible idea. And then a few years later, I called my dad and I was like, Dad, I'm thinking about becoming a stand-up comedian. And he was like, you should be a rapper. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that was my first ever open mic. Yeah. And that got an applause break because it's like so self-deprecating of the fact that I'm even doing stand-up. Yeah. But and it's also it's, real, too. It was an actual conversation. Like yeah. Word-for-word conversation. Which... Those types of jokes are always the best because they're very relatable. Uh, sometimes. Sometimes they're the best. Sometimes. Okay, for, for the most part, yeah. Yeah. They're I, a different kind. Yeah, I like those types of jokes. I do those jokes sometimes, too. I mean, like, the first time I got an applause break was at the improv. Yeah. And I wasn't, like, so I wasn't feeling good that night, and I wasn't drinking. And I, I just quit drinking that night. I was like, I'm done. I'm just mm-hmm. going to go on stage. I'm going to tell these jokes. Only like three minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm um, like two minutes in, consistent laughter. They're laughing. Then I get to the final punchline and everybody just starts like, there's this aha moment. Yeah. And then people just start clapping for no yeah. reason. And I was just freaking the hell out because this was like two years into comedy, right? I've never yeah. experienced this before. And then once it started happening, I was like, what the? And I, I've learned from, uh, I saw Jerry Seinfeld on a YouTube video. It was like, if that happens, just stay in the in the bit. And whatever you're doing, just stay with the attitude. Just stay in the moment. Don't let that mess you up. And just keep going with your set. So I did that. I was in the moment. I paused. I kept the attitude. Finished off the set. And then after that, it it felt like I opened Pandora's box. Because after different shows and stuff like that, you get applause breaks after that. It's a weird feeling. Yeah. Uh, There's a a really sad... uh, thing where some comments they do it a long time and they think they've been doing well uh-huh. their whole career because they've never actually killed or they've never gotten like you said an applause break in their life uh-huh. so they don't know what it is it even is to do well because they think like hey i didn't bomb again i didn't bomb nobody hates me i'm still Th- and that means they're not self-aware it's true and there's a lot of that yeah there's, especially especially if you're well liked and everyone likes you as a you know you're a nice guy, but then you go up and you but 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 you had that experience of oh this is what it feels like to kill yeah because that's what so then when you get to that then um, my buddy Mike or he was like my mentor starting out he's like every time you go on stage remember the best time you've ever done at stand up and just have that confidence like it's like it's gonna happen right now and just go up with that. Just remember the best time you had and go up with that. And if you are comfortable, the, com- the crowd is comfortable. The crowd wants you to be comfortable almost more than even funny. They want you to be comfortable. Because if you're uncomfortable, it's cringy. Unless you're, that's your shtick and you're uncomfortable, but you know how to do it in a, you know, like uh, you have these nervous tics that you are part of your act type of thing. Yeah. That's one thing. That's your character. If it's your character, yeah, yeah. that's okay. But, uh, yeah, more than funny, even, the crowd wants you to be comfortable because yeah. they don't want you to be cringe. 
and that's the opposite of comfortable. You're uncomfortable, and then they're like, un- then now they're uncomfortable because you're not comfortable. So, um, have you ever seen Drew Hallway on stage? Yeah, of course. Do you think he's cringe? Well, now he's intentionally cringe. Yes, it's different. You know, that's that's. Uh, it's not like he's just trying to tell jokes and he's cringe because he's stuttering or he's cringe because he's sweating or he's cringe because he's shaking or he's, you know, like, uh, or, uh, you know, you can just tell that they're not, not, it doesn't come natural. It's not coming naturally to them. Uh-huh. And, and like, you know, and, and I went through, I had like three years of that. I had like three years of, I, I knew how to be funny, but I wasn't comfortable. And so like a lot of the time, yeah, uh-huh. it's a, a lot of crowds won't listen to you if you don't seem comfortable because it's cringe. It's, it, it, it makes them uncomfortable to see you up there, you know, like, uh, I'm not really, yep. you know, so yep, uh, yep, yep. it doesn't matter how funny you are if you're uncomfortable. Is that what is that a thing, lot of uh, If you tell a bad joke the right way, you'll get a big pop, but you can't tell a good joke terribly. Right. That's, that's the biggest yeah. thing. It will never get a laugh. Never. If you tell a good joke. Exactly. Yeah. I've seen great material. Uh, <laughs> some comics, man. If they're if they're not experienced, when a crowd is talking, they'll just do their their jokes, and I'll be listening. And I'm like, oh, that's a great joke. That's a great joke. And, and then they'll get off like, I don't know why they didn't. They weren't laughing. Like they weren't listening because yeah. you didn't make them listen. And it's cringe that you that you just do material to people who are actively ignoring you. That's that's the and and at that part it's like it's like they're in school. It's like if you ever had a substitute teacher that just taught through the talking audience, like the talking class, and didn't tell them to like stop talking and just like just did the lesson anyway, even though like the whole back row is is interrupting the and nobody can really hear you and like that's that's what a lot of comics uh, that haven't been seasoned will just do their act to a talking audience. And, so open uh, micers basically. Sometimes not even. Sometimes there really? there are comics that like. I, I guarantee you, there's comics in our scene that do well a lot of the time, in like at the C group for like a good crowd, but they've never gone to a brewery in, you know, fucking I don't know, pick a Cy- I don't know Cyprus. Let's say I don't know where middle like Seguin, okay, Seguin. middle of nowhere Texas. Uh-huh. Go to a brewery, hundred people who are all having a great time with their friends talking and you go up on stage, it's a completely different thing because you have to be more fun than them hanging out. Yeah. Yep. 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 And so, uh, and, and so there's a lot of comics that don't know how to convince an audience that they're going to have more fun listening than talking. Axelrod, when they had it outside. Yeah. I think that's the perfect example because there was so much going on. There was the movie, mm-hmm. there was the hammocks, yeah. the tables, there was music going on. There music. was other things yeah. all at the same time while we were trying to do comedy. And it was really hard to gain their attention in that setting. Yeah. You have to address it. Yeah. You have to, uh, I had a, I did a fundraiser in the middle of like Michigan. It was like a charity fundraiser. So everyone's just there to support some charity. They don't give a fuck that it's a stand-up show, yeah. right? So I, I had, like, bits that were, like, intentionally for knowing that they're going to be talking. So I have a few of those. Like, I have, like, uh, um, all right, keep talking if you voted for Trump, right? 
and that'll be something that like everyone will be like, wait, what? you know, it, it's. And then I go, oh, I didn't know there's so many Trumps. Give it up for the Republicans, you know, and it'll be like a maybe it's a table of black people. Who knows? You know, it's like like just now we have something yeah. happen. Now there's it's a moment we're having now. You got their attention, collective. and then you're trying to keep that going. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember one time I just said rape really loud. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where was this? In Chicago. I, uh, <laughs> I, re- I remember uh, it was uh, it was a rock show that we were uh, following. So uh, oh, those are tough. Yeah. So it's an audience wow. that just watched a rock band and now you're going up and uh, trying to yeah. turn it into stand up. And I remember I just said I said I said like. I said rape at some, I don't know if I just, it wasn't just rape, but it was something really awful. It was like rape is something like rape is good. Am I right? <laughs> something like that, you know, because it made them stop talking. Uh-huh. So everyone yeah. was like, what the fuck? They looked at me like horrified, like what the fuck? And then I was just like, just trying to get your attention. <laughs> <laughs> just messing around, you know, I don't really mean it. But it worked. And then like, I had a pretty, you know, yeah. and, uh. And, and I remember, like, but yeah, you have to have these, you have to be able to say something to get the audience's attention. I, I had that last, uh, I think it was Sunday. I was doing, I was in an open mic and uh, I was just asking the audience, where are you from? Because I have a joke about me being from A-Leaf. And this lady yeah. was like, I'm from Virginia. And I just immediately, my head went, oh, Virginia Tech, love school shooters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like half of the audience laughed. But I already knew by then I had their attention, so I just kept going with my joke, and it hit even harder. Yes. Than it has before, like before when I just start off cold. Yeah. Yeah. When they're talking, it's more important to get their attention than even to be funny. Yeah. But if you can do both, yeah, that's what you're. Darwin's is another good place to practice this. A lot of the time, I've seen people go up at Darwin's where there's a talkative audience, yeah. and they're just <clears throat> up there, and they're just, you know. So they, crowd work basically. It's. A mix, a mix of crowd work and material. Like you, you get their attention, then you put the material in there. Crowd work gets a bad rap, right? Because crowd work people always act like it means like, hey, what do you do? Hey, you know, uh, you're how long you been together? You know, uh-huh. those type of things where it's like, uh, it's like intrusive crowd work where it's like you're trying to like, uh, where'd you go to school? You know what I mean? Type of thing where it's like you're yeah. you're asking the crowd yeah. to almost do it for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. The in the moment improvisation improvisation of the uh, calling out the, the uh, it's more improvising, honestly, than yeah. it is crowd crowd work, because uh, it's just saying the thing. I would say if there's a if there is an elephant in the room, it, and you have to always point it out, and if you don't, it's gonna distract everybody. The show. Yeah. It's gonna always distract the show. And I've sat through open mics where I'm like, there's been an elephant in the room for 15 comics. And nobody is uh, is pointing it out. And you go up and you point it out. And the audience is like, finally, someone pointed out he the elephant it. in the room. He said the thing. He said the thing we've all been thinking. Yeah. These comics are supposed to be perceptive. So like. But comics aren't usually. No, I mean, <laughs> if they were, then everyone would be, you know, uh, every time I see open. I, I forget that there's all these open micers in Houston. There's and, a lot. Yeah. It's and because I'll see the list sometimes. I'm like, oh, I don't know anyone on this whole list. Mm-mm. And then I'll ask the host. I'm like, hey, are any of these comics ready to do like uh, the show? And they're like, uh, maybe this one. And then I'll book them and they'll like tank. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah. some some hosts are not really a good judge of talent. Right. That's that's the crazy thing about it. Like me 
running a show and being able to try to get the right talent for the show and stuff like that, I've got them better at it. Yeah. So I can kind of assess a comic when I see them on stage, their stage yeah. presence, the material. Yeah. Are they comfortable? Yeah. You know, like all of that. Right. But not a lot of people really think about that. Yeah. You could, uh, at an open mic, someone could kill and you could be like, this would never work. Yes. At a show. Yes. Right. Because, I mean, there's open mics in bigger scenes mostly where the, the comic will be like messing up his joke or like saying it wrong. But then he's getting huge laughs yeah. because everyone knows him. They uh-huh. like him. And he's getting more laughs on, ru- on messing up the joke than doing it right. And uh, But then maybe you'll see someone who, who is comfortable, is doing it right, is doing their... Uh, but they're not getting laughs. But you know that it would work in front of a crowd. Because you hear the joke. You yeah. hear the setup. You hear the punch. You're like, right. that's a funny joke. Right. They're just not understanding it. Or, or they're not listening. A lot of times, a lot of, and we're lucky in Houston that we're not a scene that's like this. But a lot of scenes, uh, I think Austin's probably one of them, are uh, is uh, where at the open mics, the crowd is all comics. Yeah, we, we don't have that. We don't have enough comics to where if if there's a uh, a crowd that's all comics, but in some scenes it'll be all comics, and they'll they'll just not. If they don't know you or they don't like you, they're not your friend, they won't laugh. Yeah. No matter what yep, you yep, say. Yep. That's yep. So and true. if they like you, you know, blah, 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 you're popular, they're laughing. The fact that you're on stage, it's already, they're already laughing because they like you. And there's scenes like that, 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 that happens. And, and that's why sometimes you'll hear about the Austin comic coming to Houston and just bombing Bomb. because yeah. it's, now it's in front of strangers. And I would say everyone can make their family at Thanksgiving laugh. Because they love you. Now go next. Now go to your next door neighbors, and break into their Thanksgiving, and make them laugh. Because yeah. that's what the job is. Yeah, that's that's so true. That's. Uh, do you do well in front of comics? Like, if it's just a crowd of comics, do you do well usually? Depends. It depends if. Uh, I would say, is it a show? I would say. Uh, open mic. We'll just say open mic. I, I would say no. You say no? Absolutely not. No, because uh, I remember. Uh, I would say that the, the no the comics. I mean, it would be it's rare. I would say most of the time, the host will like me, and then they'll be like, "Hey, I, this is New York now." Only time that I really did that is in New York. Like I I don't really do that in Houston, like uh. The, the open mics where there's comics, like, I, I just don't, um, I don't see the point. You know what I mean? Like, I'll do, like, Darwin's because there's a crowd, you know? Or I'll do, uh, I used to do Liberty Station because there's a crowd, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but I had to have a crowd. You have to have. Yeah. I, I had to, personally, I had to have a crowd because I'm not good at being liked, you know what I mean, already. Mm-hmm. I'm not good at, like, oh, uh. Like, I don't want people to laugh just because they like me. It, it, it makes me feel, like, icky. I don't know. It's just, it, I don't like, I don't, that's not what I'm doing. I, I'm the same I'm way. For. You want approval for something that you worked on, not because somebody has a certain image of you in their head. When, yeah, when, I'm, when I go up in front of comics, a lot of time what I do now at mics is I, I make fun of uh, everyone 
so far. I, I love when you do that <laughs> because it, it feels so real and genuine and you're it, authentic and in the moment. Yeah. It, I, I love it. And then you also tie it off with jokes. Too. I, I'll, put, I'll do some jokes, but uh, yeah. but mostly, yeah, I uh, I do a little bit of meta, uh, like, um, you know, shout out to everyone who bombed so far <laughs> type of thing. You know, if you had a good set, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you doing? You this know? is an open mic. Stop doing the hits, bitch. I see you, you know, type of thing. But uh, it's, oh, all, it's all in jest, though. It's, it's all a joke. Of, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, to, well, to me, every, anything that's funny has to have a kernel of real. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I do mean it in a way, but I also mean it's okay. Yeah, like, you know, I know where we're, you know, it's not. But that, I'm I'm addressing the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is that a lot of people have had bad sets in this room at this moment, and some people have had good sets. And the reason they've had good sets is because they've been doing their best stuff. And you go up and you call that, call it out. You've equalized everything. The comments who had a good set, no one feel a little bit more humble about it. The comments who had a bad set, no one feel a little better about themselves. Yeah. You, you've, you've equalized the energy. You want to read the vibe in the room. You reset the room. You want to reset. Yeah. You, you want to reset, reset it right Honestly, then and there. Yeah, if it's, if it's up and if there's people in the room that feel bad about themselves, make them feel better about themselves. Don't. That's the my and the least people that are feel good, make them a little humble. Bring them down. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's your comedy right there. <laughs> In a nutshell, yeah. Yeah, cuz we all we want everyone to be together in in yeah. a room. Everyone to feel part of one you know, one thing. Uh not a, a clicky, broken off, you know, weird. Um I I I always hate that about uh open mics. So we don't have that in Houston. We don't have that a, a lot of the time. We don't have the 50 comedians watching uh, another comedian. We don't have enough comedians for that. Yeah. But in New York and L.A., there's so many open micers that you could have 50 comics all sitting watching one uh, comic. I had that happen in Austin. So yeah. uh, I did a show in Lubbock. And I went to go see my mom at the same time. And then I was on my way back to Houston, but it was on a Sunday. So I was just like, you know what? Might as well just hit up Austin, see the scene, check out whatever, right? So I went to three different open mics, mm -hmm. nothing but comics yeah. in all of them, right? Yeah. And in the third one, it was a heckler mic. Yeah. So the comic, anytime they, they had a bucket, drew your name. If you go on stage, you do two minutes of material. Yeah. Then for the next three minutes, they'll just start heckling you and roasting yeah. you and shit like yeah. that. But, uh, the same thing that you said, the, the comics that got the most laughs were the ones that were liked the most. Yeah. That was the biggest thing. Yes. Which I, some of them did have jokes, but for the most part, I didn't like that aspect because like, what's the whole point of doing comedy if we're just being judged on how much you like us, not on the material. Right. You know? Absolutely. And that's the, some of the things I, 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 it, it grosses me out to no end that aspect of, um, then it's feeling like the, it's like an improv cl uh, class type of thing. You know, it's like stand up is supposed to be you versus the audience. It's not supposed to be the audience. I mean, yeah, even like Kevin Hart going up in front of a bunch of his fans, it's still him versus them because they're like, OK, now make me laugh again. Kevin. Like, you know what I mean? It's like we paid that we've we've paid 50 bucks to see you. Now we've created an expectation where you need to now earn it. We're not just going to like you because now you've made us pay $50. Well, that's Houston crowds, but even for the open mics when they're free. Absolutely. It's crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> it I love that about out. Houston. 
it's Houston so is tough. the least supportive uh, big city. Yeah. Um, when it comes to uh, open mics. Yeah. Because yeah, it's it, there'll be a crowd, and if they don't like you, then then they they're gonna they're probably leave. Most of the yeah. time, I've seen I, I've seen at midnight, I've seen someone walk the entire audience, and there's like six comics left on the list. You know. Well, well so. luckily they were last. Oh, okay. But they, they, they it was funny. Um, someone told it. They called it. As Somebody well. called. It. <laughs> I love it. Like you see a certain comic, you're yeah. like, they're gonna walk. Everybody walk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The com- I, I, I see that. The comic goes on stage, and uh, Drew goes, "Well, we're not gonna have to ask anyone to leave because <laughs> they're getting close to, to two a.m." It's like this comic needs to do the main room right now. Like this, guy, this comic needs to go up at the bar when people don't want to leave. You know, like at two a.m. And he did, man. He did. And they politely, they they like were all they all. Oh, it was so brutal, man. I would like I would never do stand up again after. They what? go. They were like they wanted to shake his hand. They wanted to say thank you. While he was on stage, yeah. Oh fuck! Because they were saying goodbye. They were like, "Hey, thank you, you know, for everything. You know, we're gonna go." <laughs> he was like mid, 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 mid whatever, he, mid whatever. Yeah, mid bit even. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't damn. even there. They were just like. You know, and like, and they were leaving like, what's wrong? Like, nothing. We just, you know, we're just we're done. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even like they offended. They they weren't offended or anything. They were just no, like, they were just and, like, and, and honestly, it was late. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's understandable. It's but it was like 10, you know, like a, a whole group of 10 people. And it's like, you know, you got to Oh, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. God, oh, it was it was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> for us because we've seen so many things in comedy I mean, yeah. it just makes us feel it just makes us laugh but yeah. for, if a regular person saw that they would feel really bad they're like oh my god i feel bad for this person us we're like that's fucking hilarious so this is a growing opportunity yeah. <laughs> you know this is what makes you a comic this this is gonna, is, you're gonna learn, learn from this yeah he was he was like bragging about it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy is never. This guy is never figuring out, man. I was like, don't right. tell anyone that happened to you, man. That that's why I'm not saying the person's name. Tell, I, me yeah, tell me after. Yeah, tell me after. I yeah, want to yeah. hear this. But um, but uh, but yeah, I remember in in New York doing an audition at the Creek in the Cave, um, and uh, it was like I think I was like 40th or something. It was like 80 people on the list, and uh, God it damn. was it was a uh, it was all it was like there were like 20 seats, so there was like 60 people standing. Uh-huh. And it was all other open, all other people auditioning. That was the audience. So it was just you and a bunch of other open micers that were doing, and it was all one minute sets, right? And uh, I never felt so just despised as I did because I was from I was new to the New York. I just moved, and I had like an act, you know. I just did like a minute of my act, and uh, and and, I, and they didn't know who I was. Uh-huh. So it's like every punchline, it was like. Psh- you know, it was like this fucking guy. You wow. Know? Well, it's New York, man. You know, I mean, there's a thousand open micers in New York. I've had that before here in Houston, but the guy was from Las Vegas. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, we're in Las Vegas, we do heckler. We heckle all the time. And I'm like, well, this is Houston, bro. Why the <laughs> fuck are you doing it? Mm. And I was like a year in comedy mm-hmm. and it really fucked me up. Yeah. It was just uh, you could just tell when. when um, but then I, I see people go up and like. And this guy was doing uh, his whole minute. He just said racist things about Italian people. <laughs> and, like it wasn't even like it makes me. It makes comics laugh, you know. But I'm like, well, yeah. this isn't a joke, you know. He was just like, yeah. He was like, you know, how about these spaghetti slurpers, huh? Like he's just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's 
it's definitely funny to comics. It's hilarious. <laughs> right. But you can just see how, like, an audience would just be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember if that's what he said, but it's something like, it was something like that. <laughs> you, just made your, you just made it up now. That's it. Yeah, but because now, well, now that I know what that was, yeah, I thought we were auditioning for the manager, which we were. And, like, uh, I got Skankfest out of it somehow. Yeah. So, like, even though I bombed in front of the other comics, the manager was there and, like, the went, manager liked you, and that's all yeah, that mattered. Absolutely. Because yeah. I was doing what she wanted us to do was to do, can you do a show? Can you make comics laugh? Okay. But I didn't, sure. you know, like, I know how to make comics. If that's what we're doing, then, yeah, I can do that. But uh, that's not what we're ever, managers don't care about that, you know? It's like. Which is a good thing, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, uh, but I, I would say in New York, I did love, I, I mean, there is no feeling like doing a, a, a open mic of comics that know who you are and they like you and you're doing your new stuff and they're liking your new stuff. Like that's, that feels good. That's, that's good. Yeah. That, that feels I good. like that a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, I mean, it's a great feeling. And like, I, I got that feeling sometimes in New York, but it was like, I had to have at least like four or five people in the audience that knew me. You know what I mean? I couldn't have no one in the audience know me. Right? I had to have at least like a few people like, okay, they, they're going to tell other people around them, hey, listen to him. He's funny. Like, I can almost hear it. Like, hey, he's funny. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, and, like, stay, stay, stay. Yeah, stay. Yeah, Don't go. No, yeah, go. Just yeah. listen to you him. You have to have a few people in there. Yeah. Maybe you planted them. But, uh, no, but you know, you Maybe have to you have bark a... Maybe them yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, no. But, uh, no, it's all comics. It's all comics. Okay. At, at these open mics. All mean, comics. Uh, yeah. So, like, you have to have a few people who will vouch for you. It's like, it's like uh, getting listened to at an open mic in New York is like getting booked to a show because like the audience is like we oh he's funny okay like you got to get vouched for for your attention because otherwise the comics would just keep talking to each other but if like someone is like hey he's funny who's respected word gets around blah, 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 he's funny okay all right well we'll listen and well, it's the that attention cutthroat. yes wow absolutely especially at the creek in the cave which is no longer there but whatever they got going on that's like that yeah it's like that because Fuck, man. What? There's a hundred open mics every day. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. If you, if you include, like, New Jersey and shit, now it's, like, 150. I mean, you include, like, Long Island. And, I mean, in, in, a, in the space of Houston, service area of Houston, there's probably 200, 200 open mics every day, you know? Because, I mean, there's got a 6 o'clock, got a 7 o'clock, got an 8 o'clock, got a 9, got a nine o'clock, got a 10 o'clock, got a 11 o'clock, got a 12 o'clock. Like, there's places that have, like, six mics in one day. Um, and it'll just be like a, you know, and uh, like the secret group has maybe two sometimes, if that. In the same day or? Yeah. So they have the, or, uh, uh, Sunday, it, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. They never have more than one in the, in the same day, right? It's just one a okay. day, yeah. Okay. But it's four mics. Yeah. Which is awesome. There's not a lot of places that have multiple mics like that. Yeah. And and, and uh, in New York, is there's so many comics that there is enough comics. There's too many comics for the amount of open mics like there's no you'll never run out of open micers in new york uh they say every every year every year so there's like 10,000 comedy there's like 10,000 comedians in new york Something every like year a person chooses to do stand up comedy <laughs> yeah more than you know you know how many no oh, like yeah. every year like 9,000 people Damn. choose to do stand up and 9,000 people quit stand up Every year. 
It's the same thing in Houston. Like you get an influx of uh, open micers every couple months and stuff like that. Yeah. And you see people that are just starting out, but then a lot of them just drop off. Right. Because they understand, wow, this is really difficult. Yes. And yeah. it's crazy. That's uh, that's why like a lot of uh, comics who've been doing it for a while don't really talk to open micers after like six months of doing it, from what I've heard. Yeah. Which is which I understand because a lot of people are thinking, oh, they're not going to stick to it. They're just going to leave. Why, why should I talk to this person, get to know them if at the end they're just going to go away? Yeah. Um, yeah, I used to do that uh, when I would bring openers. Um, I would and it I would be really distant until I saw them perform. And it, it seems like an asshole thing to do. But it's it, man, if you're friendly and you're like talking to them for an hour about comedy and blah blah blah. I'm like, yo, you're a good dude, man. Cool, man. Yeah. And then they go up for five minutes and they just eat shit. Yeah. Then you have to be friendly to them. You can't be like, damn, dude, you're never gonna be funny. Like you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to say that. <laughs> but that. But no. I mean, no, you can't say that. But if that's what you think, now you have to. But why? Why do you think that then? That's the I because think that's there's the nine. Like I said, there's nine thousand. I mean, this is just you just, just know one what they're like. Bad set though. Yeah, but I'm never gonna see this person perform again. I'm in the middle of. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, uh, there's too many people to be friends with. Yeah, someone that's that you, a good point. Someone that you've only gonna work with one time, and like, there's too many people to. To build up a, 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 a like a rapport, and then for them to go up, eat shit, get off stage, and sometimes they don't even know they ate shit, or they don't think they ate shit, right? But like I'm like, dude, you just like you made the audience hostile. Uh-huh. There, there's cop. You said you said shit. you yelled out rape for some reason. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'd be like, yo, that. That's an interesting way to start. Dude. <laughs> it was they were quiet though. That's the problem. Like, they were silent, and you got up and screamed rape. <laughs> That's an attention grabber, but crowd, you already have their attention. That's almost feels like rape now. <laughs> Why are you grabbing their, my attention? You have it already. Why are you grabbing it like that? But uh, but no, I remember this one time. This guy said like this anti like the crowd was half police, just cops. No, the police. <laughs> Sting. It was eight people and half. Band. <laughs> it was eight people in the audience and half was the police. <laughs> it was the drummer and was, how many people? There? Three. I think it's three people in the police. Yeah. Um, but anyway, no, it's half cops and, yeah. and the the yeah the MC was doing like uh, like not very cop friendly, but he he did it like he didn't know there was cops in the audience, and um, I mean I, I guess I, I could just tell you know you see one. Yeah, y'all ever break into somebody's house? Like, <laughs> type of thing, type of thing. Yeah, I think it was doing a lot of drug, a lot of like pro drug stuff. You know? Oh, I said. But it was just like you know. But did did he know that there were cops in the audience? No, he or? didn't know until afterwards. Well, but that's probably it then. He absolutely, didn't, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But you know, um, <clears throat> but it's but 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 do then go up on go up after him? I had to like be like. Basically, fuck that guy, you know, not in those words. To win him over. Absolutely. To get him on your side, yeah. Absolutely. And if I would have been friendly with him the whole time before the show, 
it would have been really weird to go up and be like, fuck that guy, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm here to do a job, which the job is to make the audience laugh for my agent to still book me. My job isn't to make friends with the you know, waiter that is now the MC. Yeah, the local comics. It's you know. just not your yeah. job. And uh, well, like you said, uh, it's a coworker situation. And I mean, I th- I apologize to him afterwards. I'm like, hey man, you just know what it was, dude. You uh, clearly you lost the audience, and I had to get them back. And it's just that's the, you know the the thing. If he's been doing it for a while, he would totally understand. And my like, I, if I was doing it for a while and I, that happened, I would totally understand. And if he like, doesn't yeah. understand, I don't honestly. I, like I said, I don't care if he doesn't understand because yeah. I'm not there again to make friends. Comedy is not about making friends. It's about doing a job and. For your, your uh, for your agent not to get a bad review about you from the owner. The owner liked you. The crowd liked you. Your opener thought you were a dick. It's not. It's really not gonna. That's not your fault. It well, yeah. it, it might be your fault. Oh, not your problem. It's not, not your, your problem. problem. Yeah, it's not your problem. Nobody's ever gotten uh, banned from a comedy club because uh, the local MC didn't like you. The crowd loved you, and I. I well, I, they haven't been booked again after that. Like in the local scene. That happens. Oh, that, sure, that could happen. That happens a lot. Yeah. When the, when the host doesn't like you, they're not going to book you. Most clubs, I would say, uh, understand that. Like, ho- I mean, depends where we're talking. We're talking about the improv. The, the hosting, the improv, is you're, it's more like, that's more like featuring uh, at a bar. You know, it's not normal host. Mm-hmm. But hosting a bar where it's just, oh, this is just somebody who works here that tells jokes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not it's 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 different. Yeah. So like yeah, if the host at the improv doesn't like you, that's different. Yeah. If you know the busboy at you know CC's Pizza doesn't like you. Hey, that's a great mic, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unlimited stage time. Oh yeah, and pizza. Yeah, that's what. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Five dollars to go out, but you get as many slices as you want. Yo. <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean it's uh, you know, it's you, you, you do it long enough. You, you, I I want to avoid the awkward, you know. Oh, now I gotta be this guy's like friend. After they bombed and you had a good set, and the crowd wants to hang out, but they're like, I mean, it's it's good to be f- friendly, but I just don't want to have to lie to. I that's what you have to do mostly. You have to lie. And be like, that was pretty good, man. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, yeah I don't, I just don't like doing So that. in certain scenes, it's like that people support each other. In Houston, it's not like that at all. People don't, like comics don't give a shit about you. Yeah. I, I think. Because we have more regular comics than we have open micers. We actually do. Uh, we have, in most scenes, it's so many more open micers than regular like There's that imbalance. Comics. Yeah. Usually yeah. it's like 90% open micers, 10% regular comics. I think. Here it's like half. It's like half of the comics that that I see on on a like that do it. Like yeah, there's the open mic on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like if you if you look at like the like the good mics, you know, like uh, like you know the secret group mics, some of them. Yeah, like the ten minute mic. You know, be like half people that do it have been doing it for a little while, I and mean, the other half are just random open micers. Half new, you know. Yeah. But uh, if you have any open mic in Austin. Or in uh in New York and L.A. I mean, Austin's becoming like that. It's it, it's it, gonna be like ninety percent open micers. I didn't like it. Like it it, it felt L.A. ish to me, like Hollywood ish. Yeah. And the people there acted like it, and I was just like, 
it was nothing like Houston. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't like the way the people acted. I don't like, like it either. Oh, you got to you do something here. Let me be your friend. Uh, what do you do? Yeah, like, it's like ugh. It's yeah. just, I just felt icky inside. It's just like ugh, get away from me. Yeah, you have to, you have to just be able to know, tell the difference between uh, people who are in that Hollywoody, uh, yeah, mindset where it's like, uh, oh yeah, I, I mean, just it's like. It's high school is really what it basically is. It's, you know who's popular yeah and uh, if yeah. they're popular they attach themselves to it so that way they seem popular to everybody else and it put, boosts them up like it's just it's uh, it's ugly I don't like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's not for me and uh, I, don't know. I I would never move to Austin uh, and, and uh, I learned that from going there one time no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do like doing shows in Austin. Uh, there's some great shows there, and if there's an audience, it's an audience. Any city, New York, L.A., Austin, how's the comedy scene? Audiences are always good, no matter where. If you're in Clinton, Iowa, or you're in New York City, an audience of 100 people is good if you know what you're doing. Um, But an audience of comedians, no matter where you go, is what it is. Um, And the bigger the city, the more it's like high school. The more, I mean, small yeah. enough city, everyone, it's like a small school. It's like our class has 15 people. You have to really be trying to not be popular in a crowd, in a, in, in, <laughs> in, a, in a school of, in a class of 15. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone gets along because it's like there's no one else to get along with. The bigger your class size goes, the more it's like high school. You know, the yeah. more it's like there's people different are, cliques, clicks. people that hang out with each other. Right. People that don't like one another. It's yeah. Like, it's yeah. It's just like high school, and I dropped out of high school because of that fact. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna be yeah. honest. I couldn't deal with it, and now that I'm, I, I kind of dropped out uh, mentally from high school. Like I, I stopped uh, trying to interact with like everyone. I mean, like, we're being honest. I checked out in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I checked out like uh, sophomore year, like halfway through sophomore year. I just I just saw all the it was a lot of bullshit that a lot of people were just giving out the way they were acting and stuff like that. And a lot of people are wishy washy like they'll like you one day and then one day they don't. And it's like, OK, that's yeah, that's weird. Well, it's because they're gauging whether or not you're popular. Yeah. And uh, it, and um, basically it's like one person that's popular decides that you're not popular anymore. You and could you could not be popular. That's it. You know, it's over. You got to start. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, you got to go with the losers table. <laughs> Hang out with them for four years. Yeah. Be cool with them. And then, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was at the loser's table. There was a... I, mean, I, was, I went to the library after that. Like, I was like, fuck lunch. <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't eat no more. I mean, I would eat, but I would eat in class. I remember I remember that. No, I would... Because uh, you could bring food to class sometimes. Or we had 10 minutes in between. And there was three lunches. So... uh like um, I usually just go to the early lunch, even though it wasn't my lunch, and I would yeah. just, and I would just eat, you know. So like, you're skipping class basically. And then uh, when lunch came, yeah. I would just do whatever the fuck I wanted because I already ate. And uh, and sometimes I would go to lunch, and uh, and sometimes I wouldn't. But but it, depending on you know where my popularity was at the time, you know, uh, it, maybe I won't go, or maybe I would leave uh, school. You know, you get high and stuff like that. After sophomore year, that's all. My friends were just other people who wanted to smoke weed was really like it didn't it didn't matter like, uh, you know, if they're you know, it was just 
the st- I'm just like the stoners, you know. Dude, like, we we have lived similar lives. This is my life basically. <laughs> yeah, man. That's most com- most comics were not popular in high school. You yeah. can tell the ones that were, and uh, most comics weren't not. Nah. Like not at uh, all. like Day Day, you can tell he was popular in high school. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, he does seem pretty cool. I, li- I like Day Day a lot. Yeah. I like Day Day. Yeah. But you can tell he was popular, so he has the like the uh, confidence. Like he'll just talk to people and. His confidence is based on other people, though. That's what being popular in high school is. Your confidence is based on other people's approval. So, like, uh, yeah, he's a great example of that. He brought the whole audience on Saturday, right? But when he got up in front of them, it was like, uh, yeah, it was like he didn't know what to do with it because they all love him because they're, like, his friends, you know? He had the type of reception from the crowd like a famous person would have. I'm talking like they. It was like 30 seconds of they wouldn't stop cheering for him, right? But now, it was like after that, it was like, you know, okay. It was were the jokes. It was well. It was just it was it was awkward, honestly. But they, I mean, obviously they love him, but uh, but yeah, it's that's um, you can tell that's why most comics weren't aren't popular because uh, they're not used to being loved just based on. Oh, we love you as a person. We know you. We love you. Now go up and do jokes. <laughs> like the word, the, at most you could just keep their love. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you, if you do okay, they're still going to love you. Like at the end of the day, if you do well, cool. If you bomb, do, would they still love you? Yes. Even if you bomb. Yeah. That, they don't love you because you're a hilarious stand-up comedian. Oh, they just love you because they love you. They love you because they love you. Yeah. That's something I never got. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. That's my point. Is Comics, for the most part, aren't, they weren't popular in high school. They're not used to unconditional love. Yeah. Unconditional love is what makes you cringe, man. It's, uh, when it comes to stand-up, it's cringe. For someone who you can tell has unconditional love from, uh, you know, everyone, oh, you can tell this guy's, Talks to both his parents. You can tell that everyone loves him and everything. He's got no dysfunction. He could just be uh, uh, any uh, an accountant, and he'd have the same amount of attention from his family and his friends and everything. That's a good point. In a normal life, I would be very envious of that. But doing stand-up, I love being the complete opposite because it does help me to work better, work harder. I push myself more because I didn't yeah, get we're that. the freaks, man. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Somebody uh, the other day called me the king of the losers. And I was because he was just talking about my stand up and what I represent in the world. And it's like, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, probably you're right. I, I, I could be the king of the losers. And well, I, if that's if that's something that you identify with, then that is uh, absolutely uh, perfect. I would say persona. Yeah. It's so uh, relatable. And uh, it's so uh, that was the topic of the conversation yeah. relatability so yeah yeah relatable approachable everything yeah That's a lot of my material is based on self-deprecating being the biggest loser in the room <laughs> you know bragging you know about there's it. a show you can be on <laughs> <laughs> i could use that kind of losing but um uh, right this on. uh this was great man this was great cool, dude. yeah we talked about a lot and have like fun. Two hours. Uh, where can they yeah. find you? Oh, uh, forget finding me. Find bestofthesecretgroup.com. 
And you can find me. I'm on there, too. But uh, as well as all the Houston comics who have done or also some out of town comics who have done uh, Best of Secret Group. You can find everyone on that website. You can find Joe on there. So his social media is on there as well. And uh, yeah, best of secret group dot com and on Instagram, best of secret group. And uh, check that out. All right. And you already know where to find me. Instagram and Twitter, the Jocosity. And uh, I'll catch you next time. And you know what? It's been a minute.